You're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. I'm Tana Ford here at New York City Comic Con with these lovely gentlemen. And later, I'm going to be drinking Basil Hayden's Dark Rye. <laughs> It's not my chair. Why are you sitting in my chair? No, you're over by the window still. I don't... It, this is... Listen, we're all just... That's I'm, That's not my chair. That's a chair. I'm drinking some horrendous excuse for a heavy liquor that that brought. <laughs> well, that's not nice. If you were gifted with it, you should at least put on a brave face and say, that wow. gifted. He brought it, and he's like, I'll have some of this with me. I'm like, okay. And then I taste it. I'm like, this is why I don't drink liquor. It's there. I need to. <laughs> I need to. I don't have any. I know. This oh, summer. That would I have be one lone hair on my chest that death plucks like once every few months. That would be like, so right? nice. <laughs> you don't know how good you have it. I could. Oh, to not be hairy? Yes. I mean, I'm not. I'm not Robin Williams, but I could do it without like having it on my shoulders. Right or your back. And it gets really annoying when you have to ask your eldest daughter to pluck the hairs out of your ear. Like, that's really annoying. That's one reason they have kids. I'm, I have a phobia. I never, oh, ever want phone? to see someone turn their head and look at me and get all uh, cookie, cookie-eyed because I got a hair sticking out of my ear. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just, it's wrong. Yeah, I don't right? Because I, I, have a, I have a cousin, and he's yeah. in his 60s. And grooming is not his forte. Uh, and it looks like he's got this giant spider crawling out of his ear. There's just hair. Uh, yeah, oh. just hair protruding out of his ear. It's like, dude, can't you pluck that? Yeah. So maybe that's why I don't ever want it. The phobia is derived from my cousin who, whose ears I see all the time. And it's, it's just gross. Totally get it. Yeah. Yeah. But this is not gross. Not anywhere no, near no. gross. Because this is 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 679, and I'm Vince B. Oh, you are Vince B. All the way over there, the other side of the table. I am David A. Price. That is true. And since we're just moments away from being in North Carolina, I am Jack the Radio. Oh, Yeah. I hope you pre-ordered that, didn't you? Of course. Nice. I did as well. But you're not Jack the Radio, which is comprised of a boatload of very talented creators. But you're not. You're Jason Wood, everybody, together on this, the heroes. Oh, wait a minute. Oh. Yeah. It's not the heroes episode uh, or the, the traditionally recorded in Jason's Kitchen episode uh, on the eve of heroes, unfortunately. It's just a plain old episode, and we're catching up for lost time, not squandered time, lost time, because we, as you, a regular listener, would know, we had a, a couple guests the past two episodes. This time, we're just going to freestyle it and do what we do, back to basics and all that. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, let's pour one out, because this is, when the COVID happened, we pretty quickly concluded that it was unlikely that we'd get to do Heroes. Maybe for the first week or two, there was a lot of hope, and there was even some joking about how we just we'd end up going to Charlotte, even if the con didn't happen, and just hang out with our with our booze. Yeah, but probably what about by the end of March, we we realized it was highly unlikely, if not certainly unlikely, and then Heroes, um, which is 
uh, was was slow on the draw to officially cancel. Um, but yeah, but but needless to say, we've known for a while that this wasn't going to happen. So I didn't think that I would um, like I didn't think much of it. I mean, we've already we had already canceled our hotels. We had already gotten canceled our flights. I mean, it was a fait accompli for a while now. But then yesterday, I just uh, yeah, about that time as work was winding down, I just it started to just hit me that were this under normal circumstances, y'all would be rolling into my crib momentarily and we'd be setting upon 96 hours of pure giddiness in person with not just us, but so many of our buddies. And, and this was oh, going to be that this was going to be the biggest year ever. We, I mean, we had a, a ton of, of EOC familia that had never gone to heroes before that were booked in hotels and flights and ready to do it. And, uh, so it's, uh, it is, uh, definitely hit me. It's, it's a bummer. Um, you know, I think it's the right decision clearly, but, but man, oh man, I, I fingers crossed, and I, I so hope that we can just time shift this to this time next year when we all are actually together. I, I really hope that happens. Yeah, it's kind of hard to tab through long boxes when you're you're rocking it Travolta style in the plastic bubble. So yeah. it's 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 better that they canceled it and they'll just it'll just stoke a fire underneath us for next year. Next year is going to be a knockdown, drag out, just massive blowout. Everybody's going to be there. I'm, so. My fingers are crossed. Yeah. yeah. Oh, let's be optimistic. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm the be here no, now just, guy. Know, so that like everyone can go. You know, sometimes the people just schedules align, right? Like like our buddy Hassan already said he probably can't do heroes next year because his uh, youngest daughter will be graduating high school uh, right around then. So um, yeah, you just I mean I hope everybody can just take the plans they had this year and make them happen next year, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll see. I mean I, I think it's pretty it's it it's fairly certain that the three of us will be there yeah i'm not as busted up about it as you guys mm. but uh, because i'm a day-by-day type person i mean uh-huh. yeah it would have been great if i was pulling up in your driveway right about now but we can't so you mm-hmm. look forward to next year and you just hope for the best yeah it's we're absolutely look forward to next year i mean i i i understand you know, listen. This is this is the way it is. So you got to make the best of it, and and understanding that you know this is the best for everybody. So and and it is unfortunate. It absolutely sucks. Um, no, Caleb was going to surprise us and and show up, and uh, we were going to see a bunch of people. Everybody on the Slack who who said they were going to be there, people we've never met before. So um, it's it's a bit of a kick in the nuts in that respect. But you know, it's there are. There are worse things in the world. Obviously, we can say that about everything. So I, I'm not. I'm. I definitely get where you're coming from, Vince, and I absolutely um, feel Jason's pain. And yeah, and and, and as far as uh, Hassan, I I, fe- I think I think they should. I'm gonna. I'm. I'm going to suggest this and have him bring it forward to his daughter and 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 her school and say, listen, you know, we'll do a virtual graduation. So this way he can still go to <laughs> heroes and we can all attend the graduation and cheer her on. Oh, nice. I don't think that's going to fly, but fingers crossed. Don't fight me. on this. I'm, I'm, I never fight. So, and but- you don't have to fight to get inexpensive comic books, graphic novels, and all the other stuff that's in the previous catalog. All you have to do is shimmy on over to Discount Comic Book Service, dcbservice.com. One more time, dcbservice.com, and you will reap the rewards of multiple discounts on 
wow, just about everything is heavily discounted, such as from Dynamite under their new Atlas Comics Signature Series. We have Mars Attacks Red Sonia. I am a silly mark for Mars Attacks. I would buy Mars Attacks anything. <laughs> um, this is written by John Lehman and illustrated by Fran Strucan. Cover art by Lucio Parillo. It says three ninety nine on the cover, but scratch that. You're not going to pay that. You are going to pay $1.99. Jury's still out on whether or not this is an ongoing or a miniseries, but I don't really care because I ordered it. From IDW, it's the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the last Ronin number one. Very special miniseries. Kevin Eastman, Peter Laird, Andy Kuhn. Massive. You have to get this. It's an oversized book in both format and page count. Cover price is eight ninety nine, which I will, would gladly pay for some Eastman and Laird goodness, but I'm not going to. And some Coon. I love Andy's work. This thing is only $4.49. Do the math. 50% off. And last, but certainly not least in our hearts, it's the Sumerian. And we can't call him by his name, but it's the Sumerian uh-huh. People of the Black Circle number one. Written, of course, by Two-Fisted Robert E. Howard, uh, adapted by Sylvain Runeberg, with art by J. Quang Park. Woo-woo! This uh, book is a three ninety nine cover price, but no way, Jose, you are getting it for $2.19, and that's the outlier. This is only 45% off. Oh, well, you're still saving more with discount comic book service than you would anywhere else in the country and some places beyond. Uh, they don't mind late orders or order additions, and you get your book shipped right all nice, safe, and secure to the door of your house, trailer, and or lean-to, whatever. DCBService.com. Do it. Go there. You can hit pause. We'll wait. <laughs> yeah. So, gentlemen, how are we going to do this? Uh, like we knew this? Yeah. Yeah. Who wants to get this train all rolling and stoked? Well, should we start off with the with with the bona fides, the the pouring one out for our our, our dude who's not here anymore? I think it's a good idea. I mean, I, I think we should let Dap drive this train, but of course, we are speaking about the passing of a true comics legend in Mister Denny O'Neill, who was eighty-one years young, uh, and uh, I would hope most of our listeners don't need us to. Uh, to run through a lengthy resume for the man, because uh, he certainly was uh, a fixture in comics for most of our lives. Um, but uh, yeah, man, I mean, age uh, age is undefeated, and uh, but certainly he's one of those guys that uh, I never got a chance to speak to in person. But I have to say that I also never heard a bad word uttered about him. Um, and that's you can't always say that lots of the old school creators had their had their flaws. Right. Um, and uh, I never really heard anybody have anything controversial to say about Denny. Um, so and Vince, he uh, you know, he created Optimus. He named Optimus Prime. So, I mean, yes, but uh, I know I know of the three of us. He, this this hits Dap the hardest because I think Denny's work meant meant the most to him. Just and I don't want to be flipping. It's just that I. I didn't read a lot of Denny's work either as a writer or editor uh, until much later, really until I wasn't a, a, a grown ass man. Uh, Cause I wasn't reading DC as a kid. Um, so I didn't, 
Now, I know he did, obviously, did other stuff outside of DC, but uh, including, I know he was the transition for the Frank Miller runs in Daredevil. So I did read some, but it just, in terms of the stuff I think he'll be remembered for, in terms of uh, his mark on comics, I, I didn't read most of that until um, much later after it came out. Uh, um, but but certainly stuff like The Question and Hard Traveling Heroes and, and, and some of his Batman run were obviously fantastic. Uh, and uh, and uh, But you two were much better off. Uh, able to articulate uh, his impact as a storyteller than I am. What you got, Vince? Oh, well, I mean, yes, I have read a ton of Denny O'Neill stories. And for my money, I don't think he had more of an impact on me ever than he did on the question. Facts. Yeah. The question is, when when somebody drops that name, Denny O'Neill, the question is the book that immediately pops to mind. Um, I think it's a masterwork. It's one of those series that everyone should read. If you haven't, I suggest you get on it because it, it, it it's his voice. The question was, to me, Danny O'Neill's voice. I didn't detect much of the author at work in the Batman stuff and, and other works, but the question, there's, a, there's something to it. It's one of those... Um, you can't utter exactly, at least I can't, what it is about that book that makes it so special. Like it, It's one of those times when the stars completely aligned in writing and in art. It seemed to me, like as I was buying it monthly, it seemed to me that the question was different and special and unlike anything I had read before. Um, I wasn't a huge Charlton fan, so I wasn't knowledgeable in the ways of the question prior to the series, I went back and scooped as much of that stuff up as I could in its wake, but reading the question every month, whatever it was, bi-monthly, whatever, um, it just, it impacted on me, wow, this is a great writer. When you got a guy like Dennis Cowan on art, who's a monster talent, that should have been my go-to, like, wow, this Cowan guy's fantastic, but it wasn't. I always see the art first and then the story, be it as it may. It's either good, bad, or in, I'm indifferent to it. But in this case, it was the writing on the question that really made me sit up and take notice. And that's a, a pretty accomplished trick when you're working with guys like Dennis Cowan and, and, and his his ilk. So, yeah, I mean, for my money, it's the question all the way. Prior to the question, I respected O'Neill, and I would gladly buy a book with his name on the cover. But he was one of those writers that didn't do the job with a lot of flourish and a lot of theatrics. He just came in, wrote a great story, did what he had to do, uh, entertained you, and then he got out. Uh, that's my perception of Denny O'Neill. Not he, he wasn't an aggressive writer like, like Frank Miller or um, stylistic like Alan Moore, but I think his work, you, you shouldn't denigrate it for being successful in that it doesn't have a lot of um crescendos these these mad sequences of just where the writing just blows you away the way the words are positioned and the the cadence and the the meter and all that stuff that alan moore has but i think it's it's still great work because it it gets the job done and it's that's all that you can ask of a great writer is to entertain you make you um you know, make you think 
a little bit. Um, but again, I, I just boomerang back to the question. That's the book that just wowed me um, from Mr. O'Neill. I think they're synonymous. I mean, you, you when you think of Denny O'Neill, a lot of people just automatically think of the question beyond anything else. And when I think a lot of people think of the question, they're going to think of Denny O'Neill because of that run and 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 because it's it was the the uh mid to late eighties where that character was brought back and and uh people were connected to it and like you said Vince it was it, it was different and um I read Zen and Violence over the weekend which is the trade that collects the first six issues of, of the O'Neill Cowan and, and Rick Magyar run and every issue just ends doesn't say to be continued even though that's not the end of the story if 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 vic sage is in the river and he's sinking to the bottom the issue ends and then you get to the second issue and and then okay we're, we're continuing the story but there was never you 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 just it was it was almost like each issue was was complete there was an overarching story but every issue just had end at the end of the issue um it did feel different it looked different you had the Sienkiewicz covers um it was uh it 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 was I was buying it when it was coming out and it felt more adult than any other comic I was reading at the time and and um and I'll I'll talk about the question later but um yeah I mean when you think of it it's it's not really surprising especially because of, of, of jason's affinity for, for dc in his later years but um when you compare denny's work between the big two um it's he, he he spent a lot more time writing stories for dc i mean yes at marvel he he did like jason said he he um worked on daredevil especially right before um born again started he uh he worked on Superman and iron fist issues here and there there were um he wrote Iron Man, which is where I, um, I really enjoyed that run because that was drawn, that was illustrated by um, Luke McDonald and inked by Akin and Garvey, and and it was it was around it was it was post Demon in a Bottle, so so Tony had given up the armor, given it to Rhodey, um, and and there were the twins who worked for for Stark and and were helping Rhodey. Um, get used to the armor because the 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 armor was was attuned to um tony's physiology and his brain waves it, it always gave Rhodey a headache and i, I remember like the, the little extras that that, that then he would put uh in into the stories but it, it really is it, it's his dc work for me um because his his stories especially at dc they were um they, they were somewhat of a reflection of the time i mean with with yes with hard traveling heroes um, you're not only dealing with drug use, uh, which um, which was huge because it's it was it it was the sidekick of a um, a prominent DC hero who was who was an addict, and you also dealt with um, with with race issues, and it was is political in spots. It was it was it was a very heavy superhero book, and and the fact that and, and I think it was helped by Neil Adams illustrating it because um, he he's able to give it that weight and and the way the characters look and and with 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 the angles and the camera setting it it just it 
it felt like an important run. Uh, and it wasn't it wasn't super long, but it was it's it's it was important and, and probably formative for a lot of people. Uh, he also co-created Ra's al Ghul and and Talia al Ghul. And uh, I ain't going back to Marvel. I I was getting a subscription to Amazing Spider Man, and one of the issues that was in my run was two twelve, which was the introduction of Hydra Man, which is a character that that um, then he had a hand in creating. But with uh, with the DC stuff, there was there was the Shadow with Kaluta. Um, there was the Superman vs. Muhammad Ali Treasury Edition. Uh, he was a group editor for the Batman titles. Um, but yeah, he he, uh, he definitely wrote or had a part in, in telling stories that um, that were very dear and dear to me um, growing up. It, it's it's he it, it, it's weird. Yeah, when you say there are certain books we'll read uh, and we definitely can tell who's writing it. Someone's very heavy handed with, with, with their voice and, and the storytelling techniques and uh, Denny, maybe not so much. Um, and, and when I think of the question, even, even when um, in, in the miniseries that Jeff Lemire is writing right now, it's, it's very reminiscent to, to Denny's work on the question. And, and I'm part of me is wondering, is that because it's just, it is the question like Vic Sage is not a man of many words. It, it's not, you don't really have to get into his head too much to try. I, it's almost like anybody can maybe tell a question story, but I don't necessarily think that's true, but, the, but, but he's not a character that, um, that you have to really um, research and, and get into, but yeah, it, it's, um, you know, his, his, I enjoyed the Marvel stuff he did, especially things on Daredevil, and like I said, Iron Man. But, but yeah, it is it's it's his DC stuff that um that really um makes me think of him when when uh, the question is absolutely there. But um when someone says Daniel O'Neill, it's it's pretty much hard traveling heroes that comes to mind for me, and and it, it it's not going to surprise anybody. But yeah, I it, it's he's. He's worked with and on the Batman titles, and it's 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 been an it it was what he had his hands in. It 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 was an amazing career, and and because of the subject matter and and how he felt about these issues that that came across, and um and it was a voice that that I think was needed at the time. I think it's a voice that's still needed, and I don't know who's who's picked up that torch and is running with it right now. Um, but especially today it, and, and in these times. But yeah, he um, he could definitely, it, it, it's where you really couldn't escape to read a Denny O'Neill. You can escape to read comics, but with the Denny O'Neill stuff, you really can't escape because he's going to bring those characters into the real world. And um, and in some cases, it's hopefully going to make some people think. And and, and I, I can appreciate that. I respect the skill for that. So um I'm I'm going to miss him. Yeah, it's um, it was it was a punch to the gut for sure. We are finite, unfortunately. But his yeah. work isn't though. No, you're right. You're so anybody right. wants to discover what um, all this Denny O'Neill stuff's about, there are a lot of collections that you and can. I think um, if uh, if 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 all signs point to yes. The July book of the month may be a Denny O'Neill exclusive, so you'll have 
Um, I have to finish doing some research. I want to make sure everything is available, uh, or at least 11 items are available. Um, but if you guys are up for it, we'll read something from Denny O'Neill in July. Oh, they get to pick from 11 Denny O'Neill books? Yes. That's a good idea. Is there some mystery to it? I like that. It's not just going to say, oh, we're we reading the question for next is month. Is there any chance they're not picking the question? Um, there is if DAP doesn't put okay, it on the well, list. I was going to say, it's, let's be honest, it's going to either, it's more than, if I'm handicapping, two thirds chance it's the question, one third chance it's hard traveling heroes. Well, we can always fix the uh, the event. Well, why would we? I think it's fair, it's fair, right? I mean, if that's what the people it's want, true. that's what it's people true. want. And it would, it would make, it would make life hell of a lot easier for me since I just read Zen and Violence. So if that is what wins next month, then, then, then I gotta, I'm, I'm, I'm free and clear and I should refrain from talking about it tonight then, but, and, and I will, I won't, I, I, I'll, um, I'll save it for next month. If, if that is in fact on the list, if, if, um, if everybody listening and, and you guys think that because it is such an important work, if question volume one should be on that list, it'll be on that list. And speaking of book of the month, do you want to just quickly remind folks since it's next week what our book of the month is for this month? Fuck, is it next week? It is next week, sir, yes. Holy shit. Well, we still have to decide which stories we want to read for amongst ourselves. Yes, but yes, next week, the book of the month for June is Judge Dread Cakes Files number five. Um, a thick-ass honking phone book, book collection of stories. Um, if you have... The big S Hong collection. I believe Matt Burden sent it to me many, many moons ago. Uh, and that um, that is also available digitally as a PDF or a uh, or a CBC from uh, 2008D slash rebellion.com. Are you or were you holding the actual book in your hand as you were saying that? No, I'm looking right at it because it's on the bookshelf right next to me. Uh, I knew there was some kind of connection going on. Yeah, Burden sent it to me too, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. That's, that's why I have it, yeah. I mean, I, I wait, I heard it. I, I just, the, now it's in my hand. Okay, there you go. Authentic. Yes. That's what that is. So, yeah, uh, we will miss Danny O'Neill, uh, wherever he is. I hope he uh, gets some kind of a reward for all his uh, gift giving. Many, many years of gift giving. So Yeah. Yeah, it makes you wonder when you look back and you... Reflect on your life when you see all these creators that just keep passing. It's like, okay, someone, I don't want to get all morose and shit, but someone will do the same for us, I think. Not to the degree we're doing for Denny O'Neill. Yeah. But there will be someone out there that'll be like, yeah, those guys were all right. Time waits for, time, like I said, is undefeated, right? I mean, yeah. well, at least they'll come piss on our graves, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I can imagine what they'll be saying towards the end of the show. It's like, I can't believe Vince is doing this after the other two guys died. But <laughs> At our grave sites, yes. Yeah. So there you go. Well, All right. I'm being creepy, so I'm sure Renee will give you some of my ashes. That's weird. It is. I'll snort them. Of course you will. Let's talk about some comics. Bring it up. Let's do that. Let's do it. Well, what do you got? Do you really want me to start? Yeah, bring it up. Why not? Okay. Well, I needed some crazy. Nice. And not the kind that we have in the real world. I needed some escapist literature to um, obfuscate the dastardly doings that's outside my window and on my screen. Mm. So uh, I went to the one of the crazy sources that has been uh, 
kind and rewarding to me in the past. I'm just going to get to it, and you can groan. I read Dark Knight's Death Metal number one. You do you, boo. Written by Scott Snyder. Pencils by Greg Capullo. Inks by Jonathan Glapion. And color art by Mr. Placencia. Okay, there's a lot to unpack with this issue. <laughs> Is there? There's a lot, yeah. Um, I'm shocked. Like everything that Snyder's done in the Metalverse to date, a lot of information, it's very dense, there's a lot of stuff going on. The backstory, at least as far as I've deciphered it, and it comes from Wally West, by the way, uh, as told to Wonder Woman. I'll get to that. As Mr. Snyder has detailed it, there are two kinds of energy in the DC multiverse. And they coalesce around opposing poles. You got positive energies, such as the speed force, the emotional spectrum of the lantern rings, etc. The positive energies are connective forces. They link, they join, um, they... Uh, combine the energies of those that wield them into this grand shared tapestry. The opposing energies, what Scott calls crisis energy, okay, that's the anti-life, the chaos magic, all the bad juju and more are disruptive in essence. And according to Snyder, there exist multiversal entities that are tasked with creating universes out of the positive connective energies. Makes sense. If you're going to birth something, connective energy would be the thing to use to make this entire new baby universe. Give it some cohesion. Um, they, they're supposed to bring these realities into existence and then surrender themselves to their creations, their purpose having been fulfilled. But, there's the big but. It turns out, Perpetua, I guess this is a character who's been making the rounds in his Justice League? I, other than maybe glimpses in, in the first medal, I think, I don't believe I've encountered this Perpetua character. Um, but, and I think it was the Free Comic Book Day issue where she was front and center, but this Perpetua being created the DC Universe out of crisis energy. Very, very bad. Um, according to the first issue, the DC Universe is a vampiric reality. One that absorbs and consumes other realities and in doing so, reboots. It has no knowledge, the universe, of its past incarnations upon its next type of existence, let's say. There's this endless loop of commingling realities, the most recent having no knowledge of the ones that came before. Um, that's like Morrison-level metatext, I think, because it's a commentary on the nature of the big two. Well, not so much Marvel, but DC. How many times has DC rebooted the universe? With only, Right, with only a few if any, characters remembering, thank God for Wally, what has happened in the past, right? So Perpetua does this, makes the universe out of this crisis energy not good. 
and she's discovered. And because of her transgressions, she's imprisoned in the source well in hopes that she would take a look at what she did, realize that she'd done something really bad, and and hopefully repent and love, eventually, her creation. But that's not the way it works out. She's pissed, and she's the one that has instigated the many crises from her prison. This... this isn't, I think her name was Pandora, but this isn't the female who was in the background of the issues when New 52 first launched? Absolutely not. Okay. No. Thank you. This is the woman with the horns, the the, the hella type looking woman with the... She, okay. You know, she was on the, the free comic book day issue. Um. So, at the end of Dark Knight's Metal, when the Earth was pulled out of the dark multiverse, the source wall broke. And it turns out that the source wall wasn't something to constrain the DC universe. It was created to protect it from what lies beyond. And Perpetua is freed. Enter Dr. Manhattan, who noticed all the wounds inflicted on the DC universe in the wake of the crises. And he tried to stitch things up with connective energies. And again, it didn't work out as he planned. And the resulting fallout was gathered by the quintessence and given to the League to battle Perpetua. Wally doesn't know much more than that, except the battle resulted in both sides in shambles and the sun was burned out in the process. Okay? So here's the state of the DCU when death metal begins. There's four land masses. And if you view them from a distance... They form the shape of a giant bat symbol. Of course they do. Yeah. You got the Arkham Wastelands, which incorporates the fall of Captain Adam. We know nothing about this yet. At the the peak or the pinnacle is Castle Bat, home of the Batman who laughs. You got Megapocalypse and the Hellscape, which is basically hell, of which... Themyscira is a part. Everybody is pledging fealty to the leader, the Batman who laughs. He's the head honcho, pulling all strings, making all bad shit happen. Wonder Woman is the queen of hell. Or, I guess you could say more to the point, she's the warden of hell. Because hell is this vast prison complex overseen by Diana. And when the book opens, she's ordered by Batman Who Laughs, to dismantle and melt down the invisible jet. She's busting it apart, throwing it in the the, the hellfire. Um, and she receives a prisoner, a very important prisoner, which was delivered by three bat acolytes. One of them is the robot T-Rex from the Batcave, <laughs> who, who thinks it's Batman, because... Bruce uploaded his consciousness to this robot. So it has an an AI of Bruce Wayne, but it thinks it's Batman. And there's some really funny dialogue with Wonder Woman and this T-Rex. I'll leave it for you to to, uh, enjoy. Um, Batman Who Laughs is very, very specific. He does not want Diana to go, or anyone else, meddling with this new prisoner. Stay away. Incarcerate. Don't do... Hands off. Why? Because it's Wally. And Wally knows things. Things that can be manipulated to give 
the opposing forces a leg up in the eventual battle. There's a lot, there's a lot to this issue. I'm not going to go crazy with it. We get to see emissaries from the various regions and learn the fates of some of the DCU's heavy hitters. You can discover that. Anyway, there's this gathering and Batman who laughs is uh, addressing his various uh, troops, let's just say. And Bruce psychically communicates with Diana. Uh, thanks to John, they have this psychic link. We don't see John. Um, and Bruce tells her, you, you're doing stuff with the jet. I got an idea. Take the raw material and make a suit of armor. Because, as I've learned over the many, many, many years I know you, I could never detect the invisible jet. And if I can't detect it, Batman who laughs is not going to detect it. So here's what you do. Make yourself a suit of armor, infiltrate Castle Bat, and take him down. Batman who laughs is not stupid. He knows something's up with Diana. And Batman himself shows up. And he has a black lantern ring. And he reanimates the freedom fighters from the Revolutionary War to screw up Batman who laughs today. It's an awesome, it's drawn by Capullo. It's an awesome sequence. Um, Jonah Hex shows up. Uh, so we cut to deep space for a single page. And who do we see? Lobo. Lobo is going to have what I'm guessing is a major part to play in this uh, series, but we don't know the specifics yet. So Batman Who Laughs confronts Diana in hell. And he knows something's going down, but Diana's a smart cookie. And she did take Bruce's words to heart, but not in the way he intended. Batman Who Laughs gets in her face, and the thing she made was an invisible chainsaw. He, he gets his bearings on her, he starts to confront her, and she pulls the ripcord and cuts him from stem to stern with the invisible chainsaw. What's more metal than a friggin' chainsaw? I don't know, right? Shit hits the fan. The Batman Who Laughs troops are now leaderless, so Batmage and the Groblins get ready for the final battle by revealing the body of the final Bruce Wayne? I don't know what this is about, but... The body in shadow looks a lot like Dr. Manhattan to me. <laughs> yeah, there's a Sergeant Rock bookend, and our boy is not looking so good these days. Um, basically gone from the hip down. Um, he's got a spine hanging out, and Bruce is carrying him around. Like I said, this was just kind of the kind of crazy I needed. It's all over the place. It's wacky. Um, Capullo is Capullo. He's in super fine form as usual. And as well as Glapian and Placencia, the visuals are impeccable. It's nutty. It's silly. It's, I mean, it, it's obviously going to have some kind of import to the DC universe. I was a fan of the first series. Um, as of this issue, I'm still a fan. I think it was a lot of fun. Um, your mileage may vary. If you're you're looking for traditional um, DCU, this has been dubbed the Anti-Crisis. So if you're looking for the kind of things that you saw in other crises, um, I don't know. You may be a little bit disappointed because this book is just freaking loopy. Um, I loved it. I thought it was great. 
would I, would I recommend it? Yeah, I would. Yep. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And there's, there's, um, tongue in cheek, um, metal song titles that are used for the creative team. Like, um, Scott is Hallowed Be Thy Name Snyder. Had to pick the best Maiden song of ever. It's Greg Painkiller Capullo, Jonathan Motorbreath Glapion, um, uh, Tom, Mr. Nice Guy Napolitano. So they're they're taking uh, Steve Seek and Destroy Fairchild. They're taking high points in the the metal genre, and they're using those great songs as their 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 surnames for this thing. Um, the cartographer is Jared, victim of changes, Blando. So, I mean, they're going full metal with this. They're embracing it. And I thought it was pretty damn cool. Swamp Thing's in it. Um, Joker, of course, but not for long. Um, and they've teased something that now that the king, the Batman who laughs, is apparently dispensed with, there will be an even more despicable foe in his wake in the form of Prince Robin. So we'll see. I don't know. Looks pretty damn cool to me. I liked it. Unapologetic. I liked it a lot. Why would you ever need to apologize for something that you've enjoyed? I don't know, because it seems like the man has garnered some ill will. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, I love... No idea what you mean. No. I, no comment. Yeah. No I, I mean, I, I have... I have people within the industry that I love and and I will I will stand by them. Um but I also like my comics. Mm-hmm. And so I enjoyed this. I I read it, loved it, enjoyed it very much. I gotta say, your description of it makes it sound like a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. But I'm reticent because I heard you I believe actually, yeah, it didn't wasn't it last year at, at, at the sit-down, or was that the New York Comic Con when you guys were in my... One of the times you were in my kitchen, we talked about metal. You talked about metal. It was the book of the month. And, and yeah, but wasn't it when we were all together? I'm not sure. No. I don't think uh, it okay. was but, when but we were it, all together. But, but we, but I remember... I mean, if, if we didn't do a book of the month, if we just let Vince talk about metal, I probably would have enjoyed it. I was going to say, when you when you did your deep dive on metal, I thought, that sounds like a lot more fun than the book I just read. So yeah, you just get something different from it. There, um, I admit that there, some stitching on the part of the reader needs to be done, because the story bounces around a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I, to be honest, I don't think that you can go into a story like this not having read a lot of Snyder's run on Justice League, because there's things in here that I was like, what I had a. I had to fire up the the Google engine and and look like perpetual. What the hell do I know, right? Um, but uh, I did not know uh, a lot of the specifics, but I do now. So, will I go back and read his Justice League run? You probably find it at Ollie's. The the yeah, the probably. Well, there's a hardcover coming out that collects, I think, twelve or more issues. So, yeah, I'll probably read that, but. And, like there's some work that needs to be done. He's kind of scattershot with the narrative. Like it, it, it. We start with Diana and Swamp Thing. We don't know what happened to Swamp Thing. He looks a mess. He's all burned up, and he's um, something. The the Batman who laughs threatened the Parliament of Trees, 
And I don't, I mean, other than directly impacting Alec's life by destroying something to which he is beholden, I don't see how that could have any kind of, you know, fight or flight response within Swamp Thing because he's a plant elemental. If there's a plant anywhere, why can't he just regrow another body? But if the sun's burned out, that could be a little difficult, right? But I, I, I mean, reading this issue, you don't really get the feeling that the sun is gone because there are scenes where they gather that are, you know, I, they don't look, it doesn't look like night to me. I mean, it's gloomy, but it doesn't really look like light. There's a, there's a light source somewhere, right? So I don't know exactly what the average reader's going to pull from this. Like, I have a huge suspension of disbelief. If Snyder tells me if the sun's burned out, I'd be like, okay, sun's burned out. Uh, I get it. But it, you don't get that feeling from the the mass scenes in here where there's a lot of people gathered out in the open. It doesn't look like the sun's burned out to me. But I could just be picking nits. Um, and there's a bunch of characters in this that are just thrown at you not having known where they came from. But that's okay. I mean, I'm sure he will flesh that out or not, right? There's going to be a shit ton of tie-ins to this thing. Like like the Acolytes in the first series, we're probably going to get one-shots for some of these characters. It's, I I'm, I'm, have no doubt it looks absolutely amazing. Yeah. I, I saw preview pages in, um, in in a recent comic, and, and it looks it looks great. Um the doubt about it. I'm not surprised. It's 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 cool and great beyond it. Yes, there is. You know, full disclosure. There's there's baggage. It's it it's. I'm not a fan of. Um, I mean, it's recent work. It he he, he has a stranglehold on on DC and certain characters, and and I just and I can't. It, it it it's it's a bit of a roadblock for me, and that's fine. And and you know, it's it just means I can concentrate on other things I want to enjoy, I, I want to read, and and will likely enjoy. And and this is available for everyone to read, and 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 like you, Vince, hopefully they're enjoying it. But I I don't have the time or the inclination. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, this new apocalypse that they're talking about, this mega apocalypse or whatever, um, it's presided over by mr miracle but then batman who laughs calls the character dark father and it looks like a doomsday batman to me like he's in the distance you don't get to see much of him it looks like a combination of doomsday and batman which is okay by me but i think they have superman on the rocks and superman's got commandy style long hair so like i'm down I'm just, in this respect i'm very easy to please Throw a bunch of cool... Con- Harley is is with doc- Dr. Arkham. She's got anthropomorphic bats with her and a giant um, uh, jackal or... or uh, hyena. Uh, hyena, yeah. What is, yeah, hyena. It just looks cool. Like it's. I think that's the point of this, is to have some substance, but more importantly, to look friggin' real cool doing it. Mm-hmm. That's metal to me. Mm-hmm. Right? Metal has substance. Yes, right. the, the better metal. Sure. But sometimes you just want to... Uh, to Look cool. If we're talking chainsaw, sometimes you just want to throw Jackal on and go down on me. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. S- 
speaking of Harley and a badass hyena, I saw an image today on the Instagrams by uh, Gerardo Zafino. Oh yeah, ridiculous! And yeah. he drew a Harley, a commission he did of uh, Harley and her hyena, and um, it was a very—it almost looked like as if Harley was a character in a in a grindhouse flick. Hmm. She was a little heftier, more muscular, uh, definitely not petite like she's usually drawn. And the hyena was mutated. It was uh, it was impressive. Zafino is ridiculous. Yes. He is re- like his daddy. He is ridiculous. It is absurd. Yeah, uh, I know well, it's a random aside, but no, know. I like random asides. Uh, here's here's a more connected one. Full disclosure: If Capullo wasn't drawing this, it would be a crapshoot whether I'm reading it or not. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I no, it. I get that. Yeah. I got to stand by Greg. I mean, I just adore his work. So and and listen, I mean, all the the dap and my viewpoints aside, or reasons for not being into it or or being into it. Um, from what I gather, I don't pay super close attention to the sales figures anymore. But from what I gather, Metal was like one of DC's only legit commercial hits in the last few years. Right now, it didn't translate as I understand it to Schneider's Justice League. I don't believe that was very commercially successful. Um, but yeah, the medal itself, the event and all the tie-ins seem to be, um, big sellers. And I, they also, to an extent, seem to be a bit evergreen in that the, the collection sells. So, yeah. um, you know, and at the end of the day, um, we've had a trillion conversations on the show about art versus commerce, but we've also all agreed to acknowledge that Mar- when it comes to Marvel and DC, it's, it's commerce. I mean, they want to tell as entertaining stories as they can to keep you coming back to buy more. So, it's hard to. I guess my point I'm trying to make is that I would say you're in the majority, not the minority, in your yeah. love for this. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, it's just sad that those New Age of Heroes books didn't take off because, you know, I enjoyed them. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what the the Terrifics is the only, is the last man standing now, right? And that's done. Oh, is well, it done? There you go. Yeah, they, they're doing. It's one of the titles that that, that moved digital? To digital just for the last few uh, issues. Yeah, yeah. So. And that bums me out if it's the last few issues. I mean, if it was, if, if they were trying to like, you know, get to the, get to 50 or a hundred, fine, keep the story going digitally. But I mean, if, if you've just, if, if you're wrapping up in a few months, I, I take the knee and just publish yeah. them. I don't, I, yeah. um, not, not, we, I think we could be quick with this, but, um, on our Slack group, shout out to the patrons who are part of the Slack our most vibrant social community, it seems like these days. Um, I was just trying to refresh. We have a lot of channels there now, like a lot of channels. Yes. So I was trying to go into some of them that were a little, um, uh, a little, had some lulls and just kind of spark some chat to see if they're worth keeping around. And um, one of the channels that we hadn't had a lot of activity in lately was the questions channel. And that's because we have a channel now where for discussion amongst ourselves, where they can, Someone can say, like, oh, hey, 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 what's everybody's favorite color? And everybody chimes in. The questions channel was originally for when we wanted people to give us questions to ask on the show. And so I just hit everybody up. And probably because of what's been going on this week in the comic news, we got like three or four people saying, hey, can you update, refresh, remind us your view on separating the art from the artist? And at first, I almost responded and said, nah, I mean, because I feel like we've talked about that a lot. Like, we, like it comes up, unfortunately, it comes up a lot because uh, a lot of people act a fool, and it requires us to then make that choice. Um, but then it, was, it did seem timely, and so again, I don't, I'm not saying we need to have, need to have a 45-minute 
uh, regurgitation of the topic since we've talked about it before, but um, I guess a lot of people were wondering in light of the uh, the latest spate of uh, comic book dudes acting like like bad dudes, uh, d- like how does how does that play into our work? And I'll just say what I said the last time we talked about this, which is that I have no formula. Like I have no moral high horse here. I have no blueprint. Um, I don't think it's case by case in all media. You know, I I will still rock to a Michael Jackson song like I read about happily, like with absolute smile on my face in the house, no issues. But it's been a few years since I've played an R. Kelly song. And I, and I, there's no, like, there's no line in the sand for me. It's like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not, I'm not acting. It's not like, oh, I'm not listening to R. Kelly because I think he did it. And I'm listening to Michael Jackson because I'm not sure he did it. I, I have no, it's, it's just case by case. Do I like the music? Do I like the art? Do I like the movie? There are actors that I think are, uh, you know, Mel, Mel Gibson is, I think, very clearly a bigot. Um, I don't seek out Mel Gibson movies, but, you know, listen, if if we're sitting around on a rainy Friday night with the kids and someone wants to put on, uh, you know, someone wants to put on Lethal Weapon, I'm, I'm putting it on without any issues. So I, I just don't have a formula here, you know. Um, I will say, I think with comics, because we're so incestuous with comics and we do – we, meaning fandom in general, have this sense of ownership. Fair or unfair, we have it. Um, I do think I let my opinion of people, creators, affect me more when it comes to comics for two reasons. One, again, because I feel more of a connection. Whether that's a false connection or not is another discussion. But two, um, we also read, buy, and consume an insane number of comics and as we've said a million times, we also have enough comics in our possession to last us our entire lifetimes. So it's just very easy for me to, quote unquote, cancel somebody in comics. That is an easy decision because I know there will always be an unending supply of other comics by other people that I will happily consume. But again, it's not hard and fast. There are definitely people that many people out there listening would consider D-bags or A-holes or bad people and I can't say that I wouldn't pick up a comic and read something from them, especially if it's something that I've already consumed in the past and enjoyed and want to revisit. So I have no, I guess what I'm saying long-winded way of saying I don't have a blueprint here. Like there is no like line in the sand for me. Sometimes it bothers me and I, I avoid them. Sometimes I make an excuse and, and continue to consume this stuff. Yes. Well, I blame both of you guys. Mm. <laughs> yeah, because I used to be in anything goes. I yes, if I true. if that's I wanted serious. if I wanted to yes it is. If I wanted to read something, I would read it. Uh backstory or real life of the creators be damned, I'm going to enjoy myself. And more or less that still remains true, but I find myself asking my myself questions. Um knowing that some of the people who make these these comics are are not exactly someone I'd like to be around in the real world, um, and and so there are lines that I will draw now. If if the creator is blatantly and openly racist, I can't support that person. Uh, I don't care what or who they are. Um, would I support Frank Miller if it came out that he was racist? 
Well, he's used to be the exception to the rule, and if it did, I'm not saying that he is, but if it did, I would have to ask myself some some pretty tough questions, because I I love Frank, but um, as we go down the list, it becomes easier and easier to part ways with with creators if they are openly racist. That's that's just unforgivable, right? Uh, I, I have a lot of books by a lot of despicable people <laughs> and, and yeah. yeah, and I love them and, and I, I read them. Um, my favorite writers of all time are Lovecraft and Burroughs and, you know, not exactly squeaky clean individuals. Right. Right. So, um, it, it helps not having known them. Mm-hmm. Right that I can definitely separate the work from the creator if if I can't recall sitting down with them and shaking their hand and you know talking with them for whatever minutes but you two assholes have made me take a look at at my uh my support and and question things now when it involves grown ass people um, I, I find it, I find it easier to forget, not forget. Um, I find it easier to intentionally forget whatever transgressions are uh, allegedly heaped on these people because there are many options that both sides of these incidents have. Walk away, fight it out, call the authorities, um, for nonviolent stuff, violent stuff, then there is a line drawn. But if it's just predatory people, that's the word that was used, right? Predatory people, you know, um, there are options where, and why I draw the line with, with racism and there's no options in that situation. That's a, that's a blanket of injustice that is overlaid on all of a all of the people of of the the people that they hate are all subjected to it and there's not really any options when it's part and parcel of the world in which you reside where do you go do you go off planet like you can't escape it it's there every minute of every day and and so yeah i'm drawing the line that's it no there are no options so yeah, I'm just going to back out gracefully because um, I'm in the process, I guess, of growing. If yeah. you want to see it that way, uh, and again, I blame you two. Huh? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Why not? Um. Yeah. It. It's. <laughs> I um. I have no problem um, writing someone off. It's. It's. Um, that's weird. <laughs> you are definitely the most, but <laughs> no, I'll let you follow you speak. Go ahead. Um, like I said before, it's, it's, there's, I would rather, um, spend the time on and with, uh, things and, and, and people I love. And if there, there are, and, and like you, Jason, there are, there's, there's no, it, it's not one size fits all. There is no, um, it, it's not entirely black and white. I, I will, listen to i still have michael jackson on my playlist there are a couple there's still a couple of r kelly songs that will have play in the house um i i will watch 
lethal weapon if if payback is on that might stay on in the background but i'm not going to seek out anything new i'm not going to watch daddy's home too i'm not so there are there there's definitely didn't even um, know that existed yeah, it did and for, because i we, we kind of enjoyed the first one and then the second one the fa- daddy it's the 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 fathers of mark Wahlberg and and will ferrell are um john lithgow and mel gibson but oh um so they took a good idea and just made it worse but the um there's there are there are creators where um i, I need to it i'm not going to because because we we know someone personally who who was maybe um who was accused and and it's you know whatever it is it's it's between those people i may feel a certain way or i may have my own opinion on on how things go but um it's 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 very similar to when, when we find out, you know, what someone's political views are. It's like, well, why am I going to give you? It, it, it's like, why well, I won't eat in certain places. It's like, why is my money going to go towards something that? It, and it's, uh, I'm free to go where I want to eat. You're free to do with your money what you want, but that doesn't mean I need to give you my money so you can do with what you will. So, um, I I have my whatever my reasoning is for that day and and there are there are creators where it 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 doesn't take much and if 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 it's if whatever makes me feel a certain way that day that that could be all it takes will i revisit it sometime down the line or will i come across an older work and and wonder you know if if i could try something new from that person maybe if you guys talk about it i'll give it a shot if 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 um if I find it in a back issue bin or if, if I'm given something, if someone sends me something to read, I'll read it. But uh, a lot of times with me, it's, it's, is my, it, it's not just my time. It is my money worth parting with to, to take the time and um, enjoy whatever that, that, that piece of art is. But um, yeah, I, I, um, there are people I won't bother with, but um, it's, it really it, it it at times it it's whichever way the wind blows it if because what one person may think um is absolutely reprehensible and and how dare you talk to or support that person um and i kind of shrug and say okay well that didn't affect me dot 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 it's it's weird and and um somebody who was uh well th- there was a very, um, it was his last newsletter, um, and it was posted online, I believe. Um, but Warren Ellis, um, apologized and, and, and wrote a, a, um, he, he explained, um, things from his point of view and, and it, 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 it wasn't, it, it doesn't read from, it, it doesn't read like someone who is, doubling down on on being an asshole or thinking that you know they did nothing wrong um it 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 was very um there was a lot of inward thinking involved and um and i appreciate that and 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 we had discussions amongst ourselves this week and where things kind of um yeah play out in, in in our minds and how we view things and 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 you know i mean there were stories told that you know what what happened with us you know, 20 years ago how that would look 
today. And and so it it's it, it is there is no it it is not completely um I can't say this is the line and and however close you get to it, that's it. It 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 moves based on on person and situation. How long have you been in my life? What what else have you know, do I know you to be this type of person? Is someone just seeing it differently? And and a lot of that also has to, because it's comics and I may not know someone well, oh, that person told stories I enjoyed. That can't be the type of person they really are. That that's bullshit. You can't. I so yeah. There is there is a way. I there are some art, very few, that um, I can still look at their art, and depending on the severity of whatever they've done or were accused of, um, may come into play. But um, yeah, for the most part, if 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 you've done me or mine wrong then 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 you're done yeah i'm i'm legit fascinated in our in 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 pop culture how certain people transcend their transgressions especially in a time now where and again i'm making no statement about the fairness or unfairness of this but we are in a time right now um where there's a reason cancel culture is a term right uh social media people have had enough we're standing up for no longer tolerating injustice. But point being, you know, now if, if a perfect example, um, Dibney, right? Yeah. Harley Sawyer. Yep. Dibney's tweets co- come unearthed. Those tweets existed before he got hired. Those tweets existed. Now I understand he deleted them. Someone found them. But my point is they were out there. He said it beforehand. He got the gig. They come unearthed. Understandably, again, given the environment, he loses his gig. Again, I'm not making any claim that he didn't deserve to lose the gig, so please don't mistake what I'm saying for you listeners. But we're in a world now where it's shoot first, almost like, you know, yeah. You, you, if you're found to be doing something wrong, uh, the the world at least will assume your guilt, and then uh, if, if it turns out that it's not a little more nuanced than that, you know, you might be able to call yourself back into uh, your prior place, I would point people like Chris Hardwick or Aziz Ansari out, right? Those guys were me too'd. It looked bad at first in terms of the way the world is treating them. And then they both relatively speaking, I'm sure there are a lot of people that think less of them anyway and always will. But I'm saying like in terms of professionally, they've kind of come out of it. Right. I mean, they're, they're still doing their thing. Um, but then I think about like why certain people or things get a pass and it, it, they're really. I don't think even societally there's any rhyme or reason. Like Mark Wahlberg, you you mentioned Daddy Day. Mark Wahlberg is has a went to jail <laughs> yes. for hate crimes. Yes, he ser- he was sentenced to years in prison and only and and got out because he was so young for for assaulting two Vietnamese men brutally and 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 flinging racial epithets at them. And he had been arrested multiple times as a as a juvenile for for black hate crimes. Um, you know, he was a, he was a, a Southie Boston kid that I'm sure grew up racist because that's, that was the culture and dude is like Mr. Lovable now, right? Like he is Teflon. He, he is, everybody loves him. He's, he's Mr. Romantic comedy, right? I mean, he's, he's, he, he, yet these, these transgressions are, are not, uh, alleged. They are known. Uh, and, and again, to, to his to his credit, or I don't know if credit's the word, because I'm, again, I'm not trying to put a moral value on it. He has acknowledged them. He has apologized profusely, professed to be a changed person. From what I gather, there's been no indication that he 
hasn't changed from how he was as a kid. I, I, you know, only he really knows for sure what's in his heart. But I'm still fascinated because if people are now can use, like, people now will get fired for using the N word like in public anywhere, right? Like even just saying it, uh, and, and dude like beat up black kids growing up. You know what I mean? Like so. It is fascinating. And then, like, the one that's always baffled me is Floyd Mayweather. Like, yeah. we're at a time now where people, and again, like, people like Jimmy Kimmel and Jimmy Fallon, you know, every day they, they do their monologues talking about how fucked up the world is and, and how racist people are, like Trump. And, you know, I'm riding with them on that. I'm like, yeah, that's right. And 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 how important um, these movements are and, and how important Me Too is and how important Black Lives Matter is and and again, I rep for all of that, so I'm happy to hear them do that. But yet, uh, last year when when Floyd Mayweather was doing his prize fight, fucking Floyd Mayweather was on both of their shows, all smiles, dapping him up, just talking like things are great. And I'm like, there's a dude that has a decades-long history of beating up the women in his life violently. Like, like, and he's a, and his weapon, his hands are a killer. His hands are weapons. He is yeah. arguably the most deadly fighter alive so he can literally kill another grown-ass man with his fists if he wants to and he has a history of beating up the women in his life like again this is not alleged it's just fact and yet i see a lot of folks out there that are on the moral high horse every day on social media but when mayweather's fight comes on they low-key or roll into their friend's house to watch the pay-per-view right they're you know again jimmy kimmel and jimmy fallon Moral high horse most days, and and just to be clear, listeners, I'm glad when they're on the moral high horse because I believe in the things that they're professing to defend. Then, but it's hella hypocritical then to have someone like Floyd, I beat women for a living, Mayweather on because he's got a great smile and he's the best fighter alive and he's about to make a hundred million dollars in a fight that we all want to watch. Like it's just I'm fascinated by those little pockets of hypocrisy yep. that we don't call each other out on, like as a society. And I, I don't, I'm, I'm like Mike Tyson's another one, right? I mean, we all love Tyson, right? Like he's fucking doing AEW now, right? He he's got he had that cartoon on on cartoon or um, on, yeah, on Adult Tyson Swim, Mysteries, which was yeah. which was funny as hell, and he was in The Hangover, and and again, I'm 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 acknowledging I'm a part of that hypocrisy because uh, all three of those things I have enjoyed, but dude is a convicted rapist. Like he went to prison for rape. Like this isn't the thing of like where it was even, like a, a he said she said. Where if you want to play the game of not believing the victim, that's on you and your moral compass. But like, dude went to jail for rape, and yet we just get over it because it's Mike Tyson and he's charming and he's funny and he's weird. So it's just it is fascinating to me how we like it's just I don't know I feel like we all have to collectively keep each other in check about all this stuff because because man there are a lot of very easy examples if you give it some thought where we profess to be hardliners about this stuff and yet we really are bullshitting ourselves. So I'm just saying like, you know, the whole throw stones, glass houses thing. Like it's, it's, I just think it's, it, that kind of stuff fascinates me. Like in today's day and age, why, why certain entities get passes yeah. from yeah. us, you know, I know it's a strange aside for a comics podcast, but I bit. just was thinking about it. Like we were talking about it. So I'm like, Oh, I'm like, uh, I'm like, yeah. Why do these guys get to, well, I think reason why, I'm sorry. It, 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 people who justify, you know, pirating comics or, or when, you know, when, when everybody was, was taking music from Napster, it's like, well, you know, I don't want to pay for this or, you know, someone else is going to get, someone else can pay for it. Or they're still rich. And it's like, dude, you know, like you justify, acknowledge that you're stealing. You justify it however you want. Just acknowledge that you're stealing it. Right. Well, one of the major changes 
that has that I've made is my uh, opinion of social media um, prior to the horrible events surrounding um, Mr. Floyd. Mm-hmm. I I absolutely loathed social media. I would do it just because being who we are and what we do, we need to have a, a, a modicum of uh, presence on right. social media. But um, after that, uh, if this terrible, horrible thing of people putting cat photos and, and f- images of their dinner plates and, and, you know, what I thought was a completely worthless structure or system, if it can enact what I hope will be the profound change that has sprung up in the wake of those horrible, terrible uh, and uh, events, then in my mind, it's a good thing and very much worth wading through all of that nasty garbage to enact this kind of change. I mean, it, without social media, I had, would hazard to guess that this would never be happening because now we can capture these, these despicable events and, yeah. and, and pick up the rock and look at all the disgusting creatures crawling underneath. So, yeah, I'm, I'm 90% behind social media now for this one thing. Yay, <laughs> right? Change this yeah, ugly, I, I, just I mean, horrible. You know, planet. I mean, you know, I've spent a lot of time investing in thinking about social media. Uh, not, not gonna lie, it's it's the social media companies have been a huge boon to me financially and professionally, um, like in a substantive way. But you know, it's funny because I, it's just so funny to hear you say that because I'm kind of on the other side now. Like I, I think the example you just made made me think, oh, that's true. Like, yeah, good point. That's something I need to. That's, I think that's for. the only example you need. But Every, no, everything and, and else great, is... It is a great example. And, and yeah. I, that's why I'm saying, like, I'm, I'm glad you said it because I have lately been of the mind that, like, I think the, the, the bad outweighs the good now. Well, because the, I think that it's much... It's not so much what is said or shared on social media and, and credit to lots of psychologists who called this a decade ago and we all kind of just sloughed it off like we do lots of things that are bad for us. It has rewired people's brains. And I know some of you are out there saying, well, I don't really use social media. Well, you're you're the rarity, okay? Like right. Facebook has 2.6 billion people that log into one, one or more of its services uh, every single day. Okay, so like, like, yeah, okay, you're not a social media person. Cool for you, but most people are. A lot of people are. And, and I think that, and I am, obviously. I mean, I'm on social media all day, so I'm, I'm addicted to it too. But I do think it has rewired our brains to um, to not be able to focus on things, to, to also overreact to things, good and bad, to be conditioned only to react in the most alarmist way or most yeah. uh, ebullient way because we know almost in- inherently subconsciously that th- there's going to be another thing to talk about or react to or be a part of the voice of in a moment. And, um, and I just think that's, that's continued and continued to a point now where we really are almost like emotional reaction machines. Like it's, it's encoded us to just be these balls of emotion. And I mean, and again, I'm saying all this in a confessional way because I'm certainly a part of it where, 
you know, I'll have days where I am and I can't quite get. And again, this is maybe um, justification one's own flaws. I, 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 view, I don't think I can walk away from social media for professional reasons, but but I, I, I do find myself lots of times getting overwhelmed in ways that I think if I took a step back or I wasn't as focused on the signal or the noise, I just I don't think it would impact me as profoundly. And I think for the most part, that would be a good thing. Now, again, I think you bring up a great point, Vince. It also would mean that what I hope is for the first time in our lives, real change about the way we perceive systemic racism also wouldn't be happening. So you're right. And I think those moments hopefully tip the scales back into the it's worth it. But um, but I still I still vacillate, though, because, you know, like I just I worry that the next day we're going to have people losing their minds over you know, the mango Mussolini, you know, saying something, you know, misspelling a word, you know what I mean? And it's like the, the meme that we day is like, Oh, look how dumb he is. He misspelled a word. And it's like, yeah, that's cool. But like, we're still trying to fight this like really important systemic thing. So can we not like get like, Oh, it's almost like the, the cat sees the light, the pen light in the wall. It's like, can we not, Oh, look at that light over there. Can we focus yeah, on the, but it's very much by design. Oh, I know. No. Yeah. I, and again, and again, I'm not, I hope anyone, everyone, I hope, unless you're the, this is the first episode you're listening to us, and it's probably be your last, if that's the case, because you're like, don't you guys talk about comics? Dude, death um, metal. What? Um, it's true. <laughs> uh, but if you, if you, if you are a, a seasoned veteran of this, I hope you understand, like, I'm saying this not in a, you all suck way. I'm saying it like, I'm deeply embedded in that. It's like a, a smoker telling you smoking is bad. Like, I, like, I am fully into the, what I consider to be the very detrimental parts of social media. And it, it is, it affects me as well. So it's, I'm saying it like we, like the collective we as in, I need to find a way to extricate myself from a lot of that too. And I'm not sure how. Yeah. Well, if one life is saved by someone recording something with a cell phone and putting it up on social media and the monster, animals that are walking the streets if any of those think twice about enacting on their impulses because in the back of their mind they know there there may be someone with a cell phone here i I don't know if i you know what i mean if if they question themselves and it leads to a life being saved even one life it's completely worth it in my book yeah no there's no question i think that's a great that's a, a, a great perspective to to keep especially at a time like this yeah so yeah all right we got to talk about comics because um like twin peaks uh season two episode one i'm feeling the stop buttons being pressed Oof. all across should we not maybe we should just wrap the episode up then because i don't no. want to talk about an awesome comic and have people not listen to it because they turned off already no they're, they're oh don't go anywhere scusa J- jason wants to talk <laughs> about something and scusa <laughs> well um yes i i am holding in my hands a book that arrived today that i read today and it is wonderful. And frankly, of its time. You all know, this is the year of the Victor Santos. I've fallen in love with this man's art. We have created like a little <laughs> cottage industry for Victor Santos and his art. And his latest original graphic novel published by Dark Horse, Against Hope, came out this week. And it is in my hands. And I read it. And it is absolutely fantastic. It is a um, it's a landscape printed, much like all of his polar graphic novels. So I love that he's being consistent. So it's the same trade dress, same size, 
of his polar novel. So it'll fit right on the shelf next to them, which is awesome, even though it's not in the polar verse, as far as I can tell. Uh, the cover is a woman and there's a, a straight a symmetrical white line down the middle of the of the cover. On the left side is she, the woman is uh, in jeans and a white tank top and her uh, hand is bloody and she's in the woods on the right side of the of the of the cover. She is in black leather with a leather jacket and a biker chain and gloves in the city. Uh, and it's it's the against hope is a play on on the woman's name. Um, and it's a, a time shift story. It's basically this woman was uh, subject to a brutal uh, racially motivated night of 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 death and near death for her lover near death for her uh that she had to fight her way out of and then that was in the um that was the that was you know some time ago when she was young um like college age and then we're then presented with the now and she is a hardened seasoned badass bounty hunter who is going to uh payback of vendetta that she has held since that night and uh, it, it bounces back and forth in between those time periods and the two nights and much like polar this is just pure id on the page it is a, a badass woman with an a legit axe to grind beating the ever-loving shit and killing lots of people that deserve to be killed um it is violent it is raw it is bloody she takes no prisoners. Uh, she suffers no fools, and uh, it was um, it was fantastic. It was absolutely fantastic. I'm not going to get into the plot because it's a plot driven book. Um, I've given you enough. It's a it's a revenge book, very justified revenge. But uh, she's a woman of color, and she's basically spending the whole book fighting and killing neo Nazis. Love it. Wrong and with that. Yeah. And when she's young, they're just essentially your quote unquote typical young neo-Nazis that she has a uh, inadvertent run in with. Now they are. Um, and I love that Victor is just going for it with the with the modern <laughs> what's going on in the news. They have now ascended to a place of power. Where uh, let's the the. The, the former young boy of the group is now uh, an elected official running for higher office. Hmm. And there's a whole machine around him now. Um, and she just can't have that. And uh, it is just, I mean, this is a movie Vince, where if it was going to be made into a film and a movie, a book, a book where if it was going to be made into a film, it would, it should be made by uh, like, um, like an Indonesian action director. You know what I mean? I'm looking at, um, I guess it's a promo for the book. Uh, there's definitely a grindhouse style to it. Yeah. And um, I'm thinking Robert Rodriguez. That that's what it looks like to me. It it looks like the the weathered, intentionally uh, bleached out film stock that that Rodriguez uses. Um, it's monochromatic. It's got the giant type. It it looks yeah. It, it, it screams Grindhouse. Now, I don't know about the interior. I, I, I haven't seen it yet, but the promo images for this thing. I, I mean, this is a movie I, I was, as I, I keep saying movie, as I was reading the book, I keep thinking, this was, I want Gareth Evans to make this movie. 
I, I want this to be the raid with a woman. Like that's what I want this to be. Like I want her marching through this 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 uh, fort this fortified place, just killing hundreds of these dudes, and you're wondering how she's surviving because it's just pure force of will. Like that's what I want this to be. If they if they ever make it, yeah. I want Iko Uai, whoever his his female counterpart is, to be to be the star. Sweet. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I don't know why I don't have this yet, but um, well, it's it's the I ordered it. I pre-ordered it through Amazon. Oh, because um, it was one of those deals where so I think I, I'm pretty sure I have a second copy coming in my diamond box. <laughs> Knife fight. <laughs> so, so I'll give it. I'll give. I'll give one of them away. But uh, I just didn't want to wait because I wasn't sure when it was with everything that was going on with the COVID. I wasn't sure right. if uh, if and when it was going to get resolicited. Blah blah blah. And then I I was. Again, I've been talking to Victor a lot because of doing the art thing. And we I'd said, Oh, what's up the book? And he had mentioned that it was going to be in bookstores this week. And so I just was like, All right, well, I'll pre order it and then I'll give one of the copies away. So that's what I did. Yeah, I gotta get it. But yeah, so it's against hope, written and drawn by Victor Santos. Did you cash the check yet? Bro. No, I'm just saying. You Listen, you've been it's genuine love. If 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 I was in a room and I was and I got to and I got to hang out with either him or David Rubin, I don't know who I'd pick. Oh, I know who I'd pick. Don't be a jerk. I'm not. I'm just saying. I know who I'd pick. <laughs> Such a jerk. Don't be a jerk. It's it, so hurtful. It would be difficult. Sure. Yeah, you no, you don't don't sugarcoat it now. You always like the front on David, which is ridiculous. I don't. I just do it because it gets under your skin. <laughs> no, you do. You always front on it, which is absurd. Look, there's no yeah, denying David Rubin is a phenomenal talent. But and they're both Spaniards, by the way. Yes, I'm. I'm more attuned to Victor Santos's work. No, I understand that. No, I, I get it. Yeah, I, I listen. I, I just think they're both. Uh, yeah, they're yes, you know, they're both huge, huge favorites of mine. But sure. Uh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Taking that dig and just digging a little shit in. Sit the fuck down. <laughs> and if I ever wanted to know how it sounds when I talk about Sami, now I do. Right? <laughs> He's got the lotion, the, the pump bottle. <laughs> Listen, don't pretend over there, Dap, like you're not part of the Santos acolytes because you got commissions heading your way. I do. I do. I do, Vince. He, uh, he, he is. Um, I have a. Deathstroke coming in his old OG outfit, and um, and a Grendel, and you'll never guess which Grendel, Vince. I'm just going to go for the, the the fence and say Epi Thatcher, but probably not. No, I I, I did give them. I, I gave it as an. I, I told them Grendel, um, just because I tend to want to see what people come up with, and and Epi tends to come up, but he actually and 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 I love the. Um, the layout he did, but it's it's actually Christine Spar. Wow! So with yeah. Epi, you can get really designy with the tatters yes. and the, yeah, yeah. He's Sweet. got some uh, some some faces in the background. It's it, it's gonna look really smart. I'm I, jealous. I yeah. Um, uh, going through stuff that, um, as I'm filing things and and trying to prep things and um, I'm. I'm and hopefully set some things up tomorrow. But I, I pulled some issues out as I was reorganizing, and I realized, hey, the fourth issue of this miniseries wasn't with the first three, and I only really remember the, reading the first issue and a half. 
And Vince and I never really talked about it after the first issue. And that's Dick Tracy Forever. Oh, nice. Ah. By uh, Michael Avon Oming and Takisoma on colors, letters by Sean Lee. Um, so I went back and I, I reread the first issue and, and, and um, just to see the the threads that uh, kind of connect. And, and it's Dick Tracy Forever because the first issue starts off where we're in... Uh, or 1931, which is when uh, Tracy began. And then the second issue is 1951. Third issue is 2021. Uh, and the, um, I'm pretty sure it's 2021. And the fourth issue is 2031. So it's 100 years spanning uh, Dick Tracy um, and how. Uh, he may have changed or his uh his 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 fellow detectives may have changed there were some mind games being played um it didn't really follow the um the all red story it, it wasn't as straightforward as that it wasn't a a here here's here's uh oming's take on dick tracy as if you know it was a a, a daily strip or what um what like I said, the Allbirds have done. Um, Michael was definitely going to um, do something a little different, and and I I, I really I I really liked Omic's take on Tracy. I, I, I of course the yellow fedora and and the trench coat. It wasn't there were some Taki did some um, so she did some shading. It wasn't it wasn't so um, flat or four color like the Warren Beatty movie or. Um, or just a plain old color palette. There's, there's, it's not such a stark banana yellow um, panel to panel, but it, it, it's, um, I, in long story short, I, I really did enjoy it. I, I um, had a lot of fun with the four issues. It was, um, it was trippy. There was, uh, there was some tech that obviously hasn't been invented yet. The, the wristwatch comes into play once or twice. There's a great epilogue in the last issue. You're not really sure. At least I wasn't, and and, and maybe I was just wasn't paying as close attention. But but what I got out of it was that um, some of this was was all in Tracy's head, and and uh, he was um, on on a table hooked up to a machine. Uh, by one of his rogues and and they were um they were kind of filling his head with these with with, with these future tales but um but i thought I, I thought the interaction with 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 tracy with tess um with uh with chief Patton, and of course junior the the third issue was great with um there was a uh, this is where things got got crazy because when in the third issue, Junior is uh, is in the hospital and and he's sick, he's dying, and um, and there's a uh, the criminals are running away with these DNA kits and and these kits may actually save Junior. So Tess is seriously considering taking one of the taking one of the kits, and now it's evidence to save Junior and. And Tracy's like, you can't do that. And she's like, but it's your son. We're raising him like our son. And he's like, listen, I love the kid, but and 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 that's when 
things started to um that's when the 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 thread started to fray a bit for for tracy he realized something was up because the person who put him in this virtual reality uh didn't get all his facts straight and, and didn't get to the heart of what makes tracy tick and um and that's you know he wouldn't um he wouldn't be able he wouldn't make that decision he wouldn't have to make that choice because tess wouldn't behave that way and 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 also i mean junior went from like a a, a ginger to a brown-haired kid and it's like so, so there was some inconsistency so so each even though each issue is pretty much a standalone story in this anthology if you want to call it that um there's there's an there's a plot that 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 is threaded through um each issue but yeah it was uh it it, it was fun I, I i definitely enjoyed it i didn't know i i bought it on a whim, sight unseen, obviously, and and I figure, listen, if we, I, I enjoyed the already Dick Tracy story. Only wants to take a crack at the character. I think his style is perfect for Dick Tracy, especially Tracy himself. Um, and uh, and I and and I think he respected the uh, the source material. I, I, I he, he treated the characters um, well. I, I don't um, I don't think anybody can really read this. And go, that doesn't sound like Dick Tracy, and that's not the guy I read in the strips. And it was, um, it didn't really focus so much on on his old rogues uh, in the later issues. And but although we do see them in the um, in the epilogue at the end, but yeah, no, I, I thought um, I really did. I, I keep saying that, but I thought it was a lot of fun, and and uh, I am I'm glad I uh, I found the issues to, to finally finish it. It was, uh, it, and it looks great. I obviously. Um, Taki and and Mike work very well together. Um, it uh, it's it, it's a really good look, and you know th- there are scenes where I, Tracy's just running around in his vest and his in his tie, and and you know dude's all buff. Although I don't think Omi doesn't really draw too many people on the slender side. Everybody's got that 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 bulky build, which works for a lot of characters. I mean, like like the lead in Powers was was built like a upside down triangle too so there's there's just a um there's a look that that i appreciated with dick tracy forever i thought it was uh was a really well done four issues so i i'd like to see more i'd like to see maybe maybe not in this setting maybe not going through the uh the decades but um if he just wants to tell a straightforward dick tracy story i would definitely be there to try it out nice yeah i enjoyed it a lot i was glad that Oming didn't genuflect at the altar of Chester Gould for the book. Right. I mean, there were. I'm sorry. There, there were Easter eggs. I mean, there were buildings and whatnot. They, they they talked about Gold Plaza and things like that. But you're right. I'm sorry. Right. I'm, I think Oming is savvy enough where he said, "Okay, if I'm going to do a visual pastiche on Chester Gould, that's a recipe for failure." Because Oming's very angular, and Gould is not anything <laughs> like that. And I just think he, he saw the writing on the wall and said, you know what, this is going to be my take on Dick Tracy. Um, yes, all that Gould stuff is wonderful, and it exists, and it's it's classic and legendary, but this is my interpretation of, of the character. And I appreciated that. I, I, I was glad that it wasn't a note-for-note rehashing of of what's right. come before right yeah i thought the puzzle pages were great <laughs> they were, neat, yes. they were so cool and they they yeah. they added infinitely to just the the sense of fun around the book um no i, I 
I thought it was a very worthwhile four issues. Uh, yeah, I would, I would very much recommend this book. Um, and I'd also, since you mentioned it, would very much recommend the 1990 Warren Beatty movie because it's great. It really is. It I mean, is I, a great movie. I saw it in the theater. I saw it in the theater at least once. I um, me too. I, I I thought I was cool and 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 maybe mocked it in my um, later years to fit in, but um, but no, there, there's no. I mean, yes, of course, Warren Beatty does not look anything like the flat nosed and 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 broad ass chinned jawed Dick Tracy, but it's still you know he 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 definitely. Gave the vibe. He, if if Dick Tracy was an actual person, then um, then the character, the, the the version Beatty played on screen, um, yeah, felt right. I I and I love I love the color of it. I love the look of it. Al Pacino looked better there than he did in Hoffa. I mean, there's just or, or whatever the hell the more the, grotesque, the, but yeah. But I mean, it's just it it was it. I I really. Yeah, I, yeah. I like that a lot. I go back to it every couple months. I pop it in just to remind myself how good it is. I just see the stream some. I don't own the disc. It was the oh. first time that I think I've seen Madonna almost nude. Because really? that that one scene. Well, yeah, her that sex book was released in ninety two. Okay, all right, sorry. And no, I'm but, just, no, but the Playboy stuff or Penthouse. Oh, that's young. Ah, no, 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 no. Okay, but she's like she's twelve. No, like, no, but it, she she's brunette and everything, and I don't right. like that. So. Yeah. But th- that one scene where she has that lacy thing on, yep. and yeah. I was like, yeah. how the heck did they get away with that? Yeah, it's PG thirteen, I think too. Yeah, but anyway, that so I mean, that. horn dog aside, I think Madonna's a very beautiful woman. Um, I think the movie itself is just wonderful. The 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 uh, practical effects and the makeup yeah, is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah great. So you can't even pass the that I, and, and I, I I know the actress's name because she's been in so many other things and I, I I love her as well. But she did Tess was great. Um, Junior was great. I mean, yeah, no, I I, I really I have a lot of fun with that. I yeah. I need to find it. And I do own the Madonna sex book, by the way. Of course you do. Yep. Stood in I'm line for it. Stood in damn line. Stainless yeah. steel cover? Now I know why. Did you get a Sam Goody? Uh, no, I got it at a, oh. uh, a store in the mall called Paperback Booksmith. I don't think it was a national chain. Doesn't sound like it. Yeah. Spiral bound? Come on. You lay it flat and everything. Mm-hmm. All right. More stuff. Got it for Rodman. I got it for um, what's his name, Ice Vanilla Ice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why. Uh, I got something else. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Everybody knows I love the work of Dick Briefer, right? Do. So I recently um, received the eighth volume. Of the Roy Thomas Presents Frankenstein, the classic series written and drawn by Dick Briefer. I know where you got this from. Yeah. Um, don't say it because I don't get all of them yet. And I don't yeah, want hilarious. Anybody, I don't want anybody to scoop on. I'm hitting the shop tonight, too. Yeah. You're I, hilarious. I have three. <laughs> shut up. I have three volumes of this, and I love I love them to death. Every line is just, it just speaks to me. Now, this is volume eight. Volume eight is the last in this series from PS Art Books um, because it collects issues of um, 
the prize series. It collects issues. I got them right here. See, my notes weren't up because I was freaking looking at that Madonna sex book. <laughs> it collects issues 20, right. 28 to 33. Now, um, anyone who knows Dick Briefer and his work knows that this series started off in a comical vein, very cartoony, um, exaggerated uh, depiction of the monster where his nose was way, way, way up in the middle of his forehead between his eyes. Just goofy hijinks. But um, I didn't sell too well. So they, they flipped the script and returned to the traditional depiction of the character in a very uh, grotesque and grim horror uh, angle. And that seemed to do the trick for a while. Um, but the uh, Frederick Wortham and the whole uh, witch hunt uh, surrounding the Comics Code of Authority seal pretty much doomed the book. And uh, that was the end in 1954. But they are preserved, thanks to PS Art Books, in the uh, Chip Kid vein, where there's um, there's some uh, attention paid to the the um, condition of the paper, but the stuff within the panels, you could tell that this everything in this book was just scanned from printed material and not the original art, which is how I like it, right? It's a vicious Frankenstein's monster. He is on a killing spree throughout this entire book, mostly because he's been duped and hoodwinked by people um, who manipulate him for their own gain. But there are instances where he becomes attached um misguided loyalty to a character where he doesn't want to see harm befall them and when harm potentially could befall befell befall them he kills the perpetrator he doesn't know any better right um there's a uh, it starts off with a story called the she monster in which this mad scientist is digging up bodies for experiments that's pretty much an ongoing plot nugget where the monster will hook up with a, a scientist looking to procure bodies for his experiments. It's, I mean, it's a, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, right? Um, and he digs up a woman who just happened to be a murderess. And he revives the woman. And she is just a destructive force of evil. She breaks shit all over the place. She's nasty, uh, vicious, um, and the guy's like, I got to get her out of my laboratory. She's destroying the whole freaking thing. So the monster takes her on a walk and she's not disfigured. She was recently dead. So she's not as, 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 um, disfigured and, and horrific as the monster. She just looks like a, uh, a haggard woman. Um, but they keep briefer keeps her curves in place, which is good, I guess, for the monster, right? Um, so they come upon this guy in the woods with his dog. He's hunting. And the woman just picks up the dog and kills it. And she goes, fun! And she kills the, the dog right in front of the guy who is armed and takes a shot at, at the woman. And the Frankenstein monster does not like that at all. So he dispatches the old man. He kills him. And the woman sees the joy that she's derived from 
the monster killing the old man. So she goes on a killing spree. She she takes great pleasure in killing things. And so um, at one point in the story, she goes into town and steals a baby. And, but she doesn't kill the baby. She's I guess the, her maternal instincts bubble to the surface and, and she very much tends to the baby's needs and takes care of it. And the, the scientist is like, I can't have this. They're going to find me. They'll trace the baby back to here and I got to, I got to stop this. So he brings the baby into, um, town, but the woman hates him. She loathes him because he took the baby away from her and she tries to kill him. Um, and the monster steps in to stop the scientist from killing the woman. So he devises this plan. He gets a baby doll, hollows it out, or cuts a, a a square in the baby doll's belly, and he fills it with explosives, and he sets a timer on it, and he gives the baby doll to the uh, revived murderess, and she she takes to it. She's like, you know, she she motherly. She cradles the baby, and two kids. This this sequence had my stomach in it a knot. Two kids come up to her. And they're like, wow, what a nice doll. Can we play with it? Now, these are young kids. And, and they ask to hold it. And the, the, the female monster gives it to them. And they, they run away with it. They steal it from her. Not knowing that it's a, freak, it's a ticking time bomb. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, they're not going to destroy these two kids. It's not going to explode, right? She gets the doll back just in time. And kablam, the, the revived murderess and the scientists are both killed. And Frankie goes off on his own. Such is, such is the way of Frankenstein. Frankie. Frankenstein monster. <clears throat> In another story, won't get too detailed. Again, another mad scientist digging up bodies. That's all they do. They dig up dead bodies. And he's in a graveyard. And he's digging up the body. And the Frankenstein monster walks in. Unfortunately, so do the townspeople. Pitch, you know, the torches and pitchforks and guys like, holy shit, I got to cover my tracks. They're going to find me. And he he tells the townspeople that it was the Frankenstein monster that was digging him up. Meanwhile, he pretends to be the Frankenstein monster's buddy and says, oh, you got to get out of here. These people are going to kill you. Come with me. Come with me. So he takes him back to his, his mad scientist lair and he pretends to be concerned about his well-being but he says, I'll give you sanctuary. You could stay here. You got to do stuff for me. Go dig up graves. I need bodies for my experiments. And now they know something's up. I can't go out there and do it. I'm a well-respected member of society. You got to do it. But after you dig the grave up, I want you to put this mark, this skull-shaped mark on the tombstone so we know not to go back to that one because it's we've we've taken the body. So the monster does what the monster does and gets the bodies for him and everything's going great. The mad scientist, whose um, name was Dr. Hargol, has a girlfriend. And they recently get married. But she, he doesn't want to expose her to any of his nasty stuff back at the lab. He has another house. So he splits his time between the, mad, the, the laboratory and his newlywed home. He's running out of bodies, though. So he tells... The monster, I need more bodies, bitch. Get me more bodies. And the monster goes out uh, while the scientist is working in the lab and gets him another body. And he's like, oh, great, but I'm tired. I don't have time to work on it. Put the body in the corner and I'll, I'll start tomorrow. And he goes to his home. And he goes up to the front door. And he's just about to open it. What does he see on the front door? The mark of the skull. 
the Frankenstein monster killed his wife and brought him the body as, as fodder for his experiments. It's classic O. Henry ending, right? It's great. And more of the same in this book. It, it, there's a lot of uh, O. Henry type endings. You get some backups that were originally uh, published alongside the uh, Frankenstein monster story. Some of them illustrated by Mort Meskin. Woohoo! So you know they're looking great. I just had so much fun with this book. Um, as I do with always with Dick Briefer's work. It's just, I, I think it's, he has these, these neat little twists at the end that just, wow, I didn't see that coming, or I did, but I wrote along with you because it looks so great. His depiction of the monster is, he's an abomination. And I think it's one of the better depictions of the Frankenstein monster in, in comics ever. Yeah. I was going to tell you about the Tree of Death, which is a really cool story. Um, long story short, this dude is a botanist, and he grafts three different seeds together from Africa, Australia, and Siberia. And um, these two ne'er-do-wells pretend to be uh, vagabond, like like uh, transients, and they're like, we need some place to stay. They just wanted to get in this house, see if he had any money to steal from him. And it, the old man didn't have any money. All he did was play with plants all day. And... Um, so the guys are like, what the hell? You don't have any money? What do you have? And he swallows his seed, the the grafted trio of seeds, so they wouldn't get their hands on it. And they kill him. And they bury him. And a tree grows from his body. And everybody, because the Frankenstein monster liked the old man so much, anybody that comes in contact with the tree, he kills them. And there's one part where these two little lovebirds come up to the tree. And they start the, the boy starts carving his initials in the tree and the monster kills them both he just savagely kills them for carving initials in the old man's tree it's crazy it's very very vicious like i don't know whether i would use it as uh examples to fuel wortham's witch hunt but it's pretty nasty like these two young kids just get killed for professing their love in the bark of a tree <laughs> it's nuts so if you're if you're into vintage comics and horror i'm not going to say pre-code because i don't want to get laughed at again um p- pick up the uh ps art book series roy thomas presents frankenstein the classic series written and drawn by dick briefer they're awesome each and every one of them yep mm-hmm. i think jason is snoring Oh, <laughs> did you have it on? I got a weapon the drill for his chin. Oh, yeah. uh, oh, man, listen, I mean, we all like what we like. You love what you love. There you go. Oh, That's these right. are some of my favorite comics ever. Yeah. Yes, yes they are. Yep. As are all of PSR books um, releases. I just think they got the format down. They're great. I don't know how well they're selling, but they they pop up each and every previews in, in two different flavors. You can get the book by itself or you can get a slipcase version. I don't spring for the slipcase version. Because they're hardcover. What the hell do I need a slipcase for? Mm, right? True. I got you. They look great on a bookcase. Word. Yeah. What else do we have? Mm-hmm. Anything? Did you shoot your wads? I got no. something for my in your travels, but I, I other than that, it was a light week for me on the reading front. Oh. Um, I, uh, yeah, I finished another... Mini series this time from Dark Horse, um, and it. Uh, I, I have to thank our boy um, Onomar for um, 
for reminding me about the greatness that is um that is Bandcamp and um and I've been um include me in that uh the first Friday of of every month um the uh all the monies go to the artists instead of Bandcamp taking their cut but um and also tomorrow for Juneteenth a lot of um if you go to look at uh, Bandcamp's blog you'll see there's a there's a whole slew of artists who are giving their their proceeds their profits to uh, to a whole bunch of um of various organizations that are um, fighting the good fight right now so um if you're in the market for some uh, kick-ass tunage um then definitely head on over there but uh, the reason i bring up Bandcamp is because these five issues uh the author has a Bandcamp link uh so that the music on his Bandcamp site um will work with um in the background and i didn't unfortunately i didn't read um i didn't read this while listening um but i have them all queued up and saved in my Bandcamp profile so i will um uh, listen to them later and and stop mentioning Bandcamp. so this is uh strayed five issue miniseries from dark horse by carlos gaffoni juan doe and matt Kreutzer. and it was an easy sell for me um because First issue has a uh, big old cat on the uh, on the cover, um, and and the um, the solicit that just kind of um, sold me on it. So I figured I definitely um, would give it a shot. And basically, the um, the the cat Lou um, is able to send his astral projection uh cross space and um it's the far future uh kiara who's the um, lose human if you want to say that um kiara uh has a device that translates brain waves into language and she uses it to communicate with lou uh discovers that uh that the cat has the ability to astrally travel to faraway places and the military is using this to their advantage because um humanity is looking for new places mostly you would think to live but they're mostly um hollowing out these planets and 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 basically taking their resources so not really so much the only, the only thing that's um the only thing that makes it uh fantasy is is that it takes place in space it doesn't even really need to be in the future for the way things are going today but um Juan's art i think you can definitely tell it's Wando. It's not um it, it it works for this story. Uh I love the look of Lou. Um there's some aliens. There's uh the, the humans are are you know, n- n- nothing nothing looks wonky. The art is the art's fine. The art definitely the, the colors are really popping. I, I, I really like the colors, I think, more than, than Juan's line work in this series, but um as far as the the course of the story, um, Lou, because Lou trusts Kiara, he thinks you know this is this is for the benefit of mankind. What, what I'm doing is is good work, and um, Kiara is under the impression that you know once they find a suitable planet, then their work is over, 
and and she and Lou are are free to go. But um, the military has other plans, and and they're really not going to let let Lou go. Um, and when they find and and so every planet Lou goes to, there's like this one certain flower, and and so now the premier wants to know where this flower came from. So he, he just, he wants to keep using Lou so that they find the source of this flower. Cause once they find the source, they'll be unstoppable. They're, they're getting drips and drabs with the planets they go to when they're able to um, source, they're able to use the, the, the flower temporarily or however long it will last, but they want, they want the source. And eventually Lou does find the origin of the flower and the, um, and the last remaining alien of the planet where the flower came from and the military does what they do. Um, and, and it's never good, but, um, there's, there are some touching moments between Lou and Kiara thing when, when, when things realized, uh, when everybody involved realizes that things aren't on a level um, and that you know, Lou feels betrayed because he thought he was doing good work and, and, and just didn't think he was being lied to. And um, there's, there's a moment where Lou and Kiara have to have, have to work things out for themselves and, um, once the military's what 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 the military's true intentions are, when when Kara finds out, um, she wants to let everybody make everybody aware of that, um, and of course uh, the liaison who was responsible for her, he tries to stop her. Things don't. Um, really go according to plan it, it it the issue the, the the series ends as as if um as if it's 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 done it kind of has a definitive ending but because of the story because of um what's involved and 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 the technology and what we've experienced in these five issues um it it may it may not be so over um i mean it, it may very well be over for for lou and kiara don't know but um carlos says if um you know more straight could happen um if there's a if there's support for it but um i know it's been collected uh or it was solicited not, i think the collection was supposed to come out when everything was on lockdown so it, it i don't think it's out yet um it might still be on its way or solicited, but yeah, I think I, it, it, again, it, it's, I've, um, I have definitely, I've, I've seen Juan sharper and, and, and cleaner, but considering the, the type of story this is and, and the, um, the characters involved, it definitely works in, in this setting. But yeah, I, um, I, I, again, I didn't know where the story was going after the first issue I was, I was in, but, just on the strength of what I knew about the first issue, I um, I gave it a shot, and I'm 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 glad I did. It wasn't um, it it isn't anything like like We Three or Pride of Baghdad, but um, but as far as a a 
science fiction tale where um, the worst of us is is on display or or we're reminded of it yet again that's it's it's nothing appalling or it's it's who we are so i mean it's that that shouldn't turn anybody away it it's it's just kind of presented in a in a futuristic and and science science fictiony way but you know straight was um straight was fun i i i dug it a lot there you go What the hell happened to Jason? We're right here, dude. Oh, great. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad. I, 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 I... <laughs> hey, everybody. We love you, and we thank you for being here. Remember, if you want to get comics, get them cheap, get them fast, and be delivered right to your door. Where do you go? You don't have... Your basement? No, no, no. no you... comic book service. Right. There's only one choice. Discount comic book service, dcbservice.com. Remember, Mars Attacks, Red Sonja, ninety nine. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Last Ronin, number one, $4.49. And The Sumerian People of the Black Circle, number one, $2.19. In your travels, I don't really have to convince many people to run out and get a new Gilbert Hernandez book, but there is one. Um, of course, from Fanographics, I implore you to buy and read Psychodrama Illustrated number one. As I said, it's a solo Beto book, and uh, surprise, surprise, uh, one of the focal points is Fritz. Mm. Yep. Luba's half sister, the protagonist of Maria M., and um, a handful of other books written and drawn by Mr. Hernandez, where we uh, peer behind the cinematic curtain of Fritz's. Uh, cult movie uh career and uh this is is almost more of the same but uh in light of the title psychodrama illustrated we get just when you think gilbert has said everything he has to say about fritz um you get more uh we take a look at the actual character of fritz uh, through her words and deeds uh, even though she has a genius iq um she realizes that the majority of her life is in service of exploitation uh because the woman is endowed with tremendous breasts mm-hmm. and uh she's okay with that she's all right because so um it has been very good to her uh and um the other half of the book is split uh focusing on Fritz's niece killer who is similarly endowed but not to fritz's extent and it just so happens that killer is also a recording artist and a movie star treading very similar paths that fritz has trod in the past fritz is getting older she's 50 and realizes that um, a lot of the things that worked for her in the past may not work for her in the days to come. So she compares herself to Luba in some instances. And uh, it doesn't really help matters that Killer has been cast in a remake of a movie. It's called Hypnotwist, a remake of a movie that Fritz had starred in in the past. 
So, I mean, the comparisons are obvious. You have this young girl, very beautiful, very voluptuous, who is getting the attention and, and Fritz is having a hard time keeping in practice. She she was uh, scheduled to be in this Cavewoman movie and the uh, producers of the movie called her up and said, you know what, we're not going to... We're not going to use you. So it's it's very much a story about um, perception uh, of the self, th- this woman who has basically made her career around um, giant breasts, when she is, in fact, a genius. You don't get to see much of that in in um, traditional depictions of, of uh, Fritz when she's behind the the camera. But it, it it exists, and uh, what I uh, the um, uninitiated into Gilbert's world could take a look at this and say, this is very misog- misogynistic. I mean, there's mm. this woman with massive breasts just running around naked most of the issue. How is this not s- s- uh, exploitation or or exploitation? It very much is, but the fact that. Fritz is okay with it. She knows. She embraces it. This is the thing that makes my money. In my mind, validates it. Or uh, to, to the point where it's it's not just exploitation. It's a character involved in exploitation re-examining her life. And that's where the meat is in this. Um, I, again, will buy anything the Hernandez brothers produce. Uh, this is... Um, it's very hard to tell where the story's going from this issue, if anywhere. Um, it is self-contained, but there may be more of it because the second issue uh, has been solicited, and I did order that. So, um, yeah, investigate it. If if you are a Love, Love and Rockets fan, you're going to buy it anyway, so I don't have to tell you. But mm-hmm. if you are, uh, like I said, unfamiliar with Gilbert's work, may not be the best place to start, but... Um, there, there's a man in in the the opening pages that very much praises and lavishes uh, attention to to Fritz, and she displays a lot of false modesty just to get more compliments. She's hungry for compliments because she realizes that she's getting older, and and again, the the sun is setting on that that career. I think so. Uh, she plays. She knows how to play men. Um, very well, and she's not above admitting that, you know, she has used uh, her body in ways that may not have been exactly uh, uh, politically correct or, or socially co- correct. But again, Fritz is okay with it. So check it out, Psychodrama Illustrated Number One, Gilbert Hernandez, Fanographics Books, four ninety nine. Nice. Yep. Ah, uh, okay. Um. Well, since we started um, more or less with Denny and mentioning the question, I will use my In Your Travels as the second issue of The Question, The Deaths of Vic Sage uh, by Jeff Lemire, Dennis Cohen, Bill Sienkiewicz, and Chris Sotomayor. And this was, um, when I think of, of, of Denny and writing the question and whether or not you know Vic Sage is a difficult character or the question is a difficult character the right um jeff makes this feel like dennis 
could have um, could have written this, especially um, because of the way that Denny takes on um, social issues. And and this the second issue takes place in Hub City in 1886, um, and um, Victor Sage is is a uh, is a blacksmith, and he um, breaks his hammer, goes to the general store. Uh, while he's there, the uh, the shopkeeper is arguing with a black man who's trying to pay for an axe. And the guy's like, I don't care how much money you got. I ain't selling to you. And the gentleman's like, you got to sell to me. It's the law. She's like, well, why don't you go fetch a sheriff then and we'll see who he's going to believe, who's going to walk out of here with, with a bullet in his head. So um, Victor goes to buy the hammer. And he says, I'll also take an axe. And then... Um, Victor and the um, gentleman leave, and they uh, Victor gives him the axe. The guy pays for the axe and reimburses Victor. Uh, his name is Irving Booker, and um, he uh, they, they part on on good terms. Unfortunately, Irving is dragged out of his home in the middle of the night, clutched from his wife's arms. And uh, dragged into the town square because the shopkeeper is found dead with an axe sticking out of his chest. And there's uh, an old woman who says that it was the Negro saw him this very saw him buy that axe this morning. And and you know they they had words and and said he was going to kill him. And then this priest shows up and he goes, "Well, you know, it's the Lord's work. Um, you uh, the the man is lying. I saw him. I saw him sneak back to the store an hour ago. He's carrying the axe. Obviously, the priest is lying, and, and he's like, "Well, you can believe, sheriff. You know this 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 lying Negro, or or you know a man of uh, man of God." And so they string him up, and Victor decides to um, leap into action because even though he's having this conversation with himself about how he's evil, he's seen evil, he's 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 dealt with evil, he knows what evil is. Um, He's like, uh, if evil is real, and if it's in my heart, then maybe goodness is too, and maybe there's a chance, there's still a chance for uh, for my rotten soul. So he goes and he rescues Irving, um, and Irving and his wife and Victor all flee on horse um, from Hub City, but they get tracked down. Um, everybody, they they've. Uh, They've shot Alma, Irving's wife. They've shot Irving, and and now um, they also got to Victor. Victor's on his back, ready to face his maker, but an arrow shows up and um, takes out the guy holding the gun on Victor. And and um, this woman riding on horseback is firing at arrows at everybody. They all run away. Um, the woman keeps asking for Charlie, and he's like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. She's like, are you Charlie? Are you fucking Charlie? Answer me. And, and, and he's like, yeah, I don't know what you're doing. So she shoots another arrow in his shoulder, knocks him out, uh, since he's already losing blood. He comes to, and um, the woman's having a conversation with herself, and, um, and, and she just keeps asking about Charlie. And he's like, well, you know, my name is Charles Victor Zaj, so... Um, she's like, all right, so then now we're getting somewhere. And, and she gives him something that looks very much like the question mask of, um, 
of the modern day. And he um, he goes back into Hub City and basically gets his revenge on everybody. Um, shows up at the church, yells at the priest to uh, come out and show your face. See somebody riding away on um, on horseback. So Victor chases after him, ends up in a um, in a mine shaft, and there's a well. And he looks down at the well, and, and he sees Irving. And he's like, but you're not. You're not Booker. How'd you get down there? And and it turns out it's actually the priest. The priest says, I am everyone. Shoots Victor. Looks like shoots him right through the head. Victor is now unconscious. We get the panel that goes to black. And then you turn the page and it says, now we're in Hub City, 1941. And and I wake up from a dream that was not a dream. Or is this a dream? And then we we wait for, for the third issue, which I believe... Which I have, and I believe he's a uh, he's a private dick. But I'm I'm loving what Jeff's doing with this story. Um, it's f- trippy, and you know it, it's it feels like old home week with, with with having Dennis drawing the question. Bill Zinks on on Dennis. They're not. It's it's not new for us to see that. It still looks great, but um, it's it's dark tale, uh, and and it's it you know obviously this is. You know, this came out before the pandemic, well before um, George Floyd. So, you know, it's still the way Irving was treated in the story. And yeah, you know, it's 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 the late nineteenth century, so it's 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 the way it was. It's still the way it is, but it it's you know for for Jeff to write something like this, it, it just it feels. I don't want to say timely, but it's it's still it, 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 it's somewhat relevant, and we can still kind of learn from it. But yeah, I mean, it, it, we we've always been ugly, and um, and it it's this. Like I said, this feels like this is something absolutely that uh, that Denny O'Neill could have written, that would have written. So um, yeah, I, I it's there's there's I have the third issue, the fourth issue is um, it was a bi monthly mini, but the fourth issue um, I do believe I ordered. Last month, but um, that should be coming eventually. I'm, I'm going to be somewhat bummed when it's over, but I, I, I got to see where um, where Jeff is going with it. But yeah, the many, the many. I keep saying the many, but it's just it's the question: the deaths of Vic Sage. It's going to make a great collection when it's done. But um, I'm I'm enjoying the issues because I like the format of the. It's in the oversized black label style. Very nice. Very nice. Um, Dap and I first met George Haig, um, at the first Heroes we attended. Mm-hmm. We met him, uh, at the bar. Uh, he was hanging out with Scotty, who was, uh, about 10, uh, uh, white wines into his evening. <laughs> and, uh, we had known George a little bit on the internets because he was listening to the show and I knew him at the time, uh, as an incredible, as a guy had, that had an incredible, um, original art collection uh couldn't have been nicer um complimented us about the show and and fast friends uh we see him pretty much every year uh at heroes we we of course would have seen him this weekend at heroes he is a north carolina guy born and raised his first uh comic book store as a kid was heroes are hard to find and uh um and and i think that remains his store uh george makes his living as a professional musician he is the lead man in a band called Jack the Radio based in Raleigh 
It is a uh, like a country alt rock band. Pretty dope stuff, especially if uh, you're a rock fan. Uh, it's him and uh, Danny Johnson and Dan Grinder and Kevin Rader. And they, uh, they're they all comic fans, by the way, uh, not just George. Um, but uh, anywho, um, George has been working for some time on a comics anthology. And I know some of you are sitting there thinking, oh boy, you know, uh, one of these like uh, ego projects. It, it is a vanity project. It is not that. Um, George was kind enough to send us a, a review copy of this. Uh, but uh, I'm speaking about... Uh, the intergalactic premiere of Jack the Radio Creatures, the anthology. Um, this is a 59-page comics anthology uh, published by a Wave Blue World. And for those of you saying that name sounds familiar, uh, no doubt it does, because we have uh, sung many of their books' praises in the last few years. There was the Broken Frontier anthology. There was K-Rail's Ring. Uh, there was also From Hell's Heart, the awesome uh, Herman Melville uh, art book, uh, and a bunch of others. Um, Toby Cypress's Punk Rock Jazz. Um, so, yeah, so they're doing some pretty dope stuff. And uh, they are publishing this. Uh, that George, essentially, it's a, a project where he took uh, an album that, uh, that Jack the Radio put out called Creatures, which a few of the tracks are available um, on their website, Jack the Radio. Uh, or on any like streaming place like like Bandcamp or Spotify, George told me that the full album, which was three and a half years in the making, is out in July. But he wanted to, uh, being a huge fan of comics and music, he wanted to marry the two, and was able to pull that off with this anthology. And um, I don't need to, you know, when I when I start when I tell you all about who who he got to collaborate with in this book. Um, if you didn't pre-order it, you will damn sure be looking to order it. Um, now, I know my booze already know this because they're getting the book too, but I'm just going to read some of the people who collaborated on this book with him. Brandon Graham, Jorge Corona, and Jean-Francois Ballou, who are the uh, artist and colorist for Scotty's Middle West, for those that don't know. Uh, Matthew Allison, last week's guest. Woot, woot. Who? Uh, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Ale- Alexis Zirit. Aaron Conley with colors by Jean-Francois Ballou. Again, EOC personal fave, saber-toothed swordsman fame. Tommy Lee Edwards, fellow North Carolinian. Chris Visions and Rico Renzi, other North Carolinians and friends of the show. Rich Tommaso, Dap and Vince love him. <laughs> Vlad Legostov, which admittedly not as well-known a name for as the others, but I got to tell you, because you know I got the good eye with the OA, Vlad is uh, repped by uh, our good friend Cam at Inky Knuckles. I actually just recently commissioned Vlad. He is an astounding cartoonist, so you will know that name. Uh, Koi Fam. And talk about a blast from the past name, Maury Hollowell. Do you guys remember? He was a fixture at the CGS shows back in the day. Yeah, he still colors some things. I don't, yeah, I feel like I hadn't seen him color or been, but it's great to see his name. Uh, Justin Mason, Simon Goff, Nick Cagnetti. And then, last but certainly not least, Chris Bruner and Rico. Um, that is an incredible cast of collaborators. I mean, that is the kind of group where, you know, if if IDW or something is putting together some kind of charity anthology, they would be lucky to reach out to all of those people and have them um, uh, collaborate. So it's a testament to 
what a good guy George is, what a, what a true comic fan he is, and also what a patron of the arts he is, that he knows all these people, and they were, they were willing to contribute. So um, the cool thing is, I have read it. I don't know if you guys have read it yet. Um, it's very much, it's an art book. It, it is two, three pages per story, and effectively the words are lyrics from the songs. So in the intro, George explains that you can play the album as you're reading, um, which is super cool. And the art is just drop-dead, jaw-dropping gorgeous. Effectively, um, he created a character called Jack the Radio. It's, it's a, um, in the intro, he, he actually describes that he wanted the character to be um, androgynous and um, uh, have no racial identity so that every reader could put themselves in the character. Now, admittedly, I, I didn't take it that way in the sense that uh, he is drawn in almost every case. The artist chose to draw him as in, in, in male form, I believe. He's drawn very masculine, uh, wide shoulders. He's built like a, a he's built masculine. So I, I think most people viewed him as a ma- as a male character. Um, but I don't know that's germane one way to any of the stories. Um, and he's drawn to be basically a he's basically a, um, a Dia de los Muertos type of skull faced cowboy effectively is how he's rendered in most of the stories um and it's a beautiful book man i mean i can't wait to listen to the album uh there's a little it's it's really well put together in that every every story is a chapter and so the chapter starts with a pinup by a different artist actually all artists i haven't mentioned so there's a a one-page beautiful pinup and then uh, a little blurb about the name of the song in the chapter and then what the song is about like what why why george and his crew what they meant by the song. Then you get the story and then you move on. Uh, it's just, I think beautifully executed. Um, and I can't recommend it highly enough. I think a wave blue world is one of those tiny publishers that's putting out really quality stuff, doing an excellent job of curating much in the way that like, you know, we had Pitzer on that he's, he's doing, I mean, they're not going to, you know, they're, you're never going to see wave blue world stuff at the top of the diamond charts, but I think that is in no way indicative of the underlying quality of who they have to work on their stuff. And uh, look, bluntly speaking, um, this book, like many, was lost with COVID. It was solicited in previews for an April. Uh, it was an April previews uh, diamond code. And obviously, with everything that went on, uh, most small publishers, including Wave World, I think smartly put a pause on things. Uh, but it is now ready to come out. It will be out next Wednesday. Um, at hopefully stores everywhere. Uh, if if you didn't pre-order it or your store doesn't have it, you can special order it or you can go to Away Blue World, uh, awbw.com or you can go to George's band, uh, Jack the Radio, uh, their website, and you can order it there. Um, or if you feel like waiting, you probably can get it from George yourself if you go to Heroes next year, but don't wait a year to get this book. Support him now. Um, but I loved it. I, I'm looking forward to, to reading it. It's a quick read. Uh, you know, Again, it's very much about the art and sort of the feel of the music versus not a lot of word balloons, not a word. It's not a wordy bitch. Um, and I just, I tip my cap to him because, you know, we have, we, we've had a few EOC anthologies, which we really had very little to do with. Uh, and we were very proud of just even having our name attached to those. I know it's a tremendous amount of work to put together an anthology, somewhat like herding cats, especially if they are people you consider friends. Cause you kind of have this counterbalance to wanting to get it done, but not wanting to put pressure on people because they're kind of doing you a favor. And um, I, I probably would have praised this book and told you about it even if it wasn't good, because I do like George and I think a lot of the creators are awesome, but I'm happy to say that I can proudly tell you it's worth your time. Uh, and it's not, it's, it's, I think it's only like six bucks. 
because it's you know it's not a huge it's not like a hardcover it's it's a comic so um yeah i think it's like six bucks so go out and find it uh again probably not something that uh is just going to be sitting on the stands for you so uh it's called the jack the radio creatures anthology coming in my next box nice yep look at it has a matthew allison cover on it the interior pages could be blank and i'd still buy it but thankfully they are not a lot, lot of powerhouse creators involved. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 All right, everybody. Hey, thank you so much for being here with us. We will return very shortly. I'm trying to get these guys to do a Sunday. We'll see what happens. Uh, in the meantime, <laughs> check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, and Facebook. All over that. If you'd like to uh, delve even deeper, we have a Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics, one, one, no apostrophe, and uh, lots of things popping off over there. Um, do the do, buy the script, and say goodnight. I'm at a loss. I'm going to have to put some whistles or, or stringed instruments or something here so I can just accompany the nothing with uh, David. Nice. Look at you sliding it in. I sniped I it. I came. <laughs> well, good oh, you didn't start. Oh, now you officially started. Okay, click. Add two seconds to it for the reach over <laughs> when you press the button. Ah, you know, doing the whole da, 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 you got to talk with the whistles and the slide rule and David. A slide whistle would be great. Oh my goodness! I said slide rule. What a fucking idiot. I, yeah, but I got you. But I meant a slide whistle. I'm going to have to check the dollar store. I bet you they have slide whistles. I bet you they do. Wouldn't that be great? In the yeah. background? Wow. That's play Happy I'm Father's to... Day to everybody, by the way. Because yep. many will not, we will not speak to them before that. And how weird is it for you guys to be home for Father's Day this year? For, for a change. It's strange. <laughs> it'll be weird yeah it'll be weird i mean my my father's day present really has been heroes for years now so yeah um but uh i mean we didn't go to heroes last year though so no somebody made the executive decision not to go to heroes last year because because <laughs> there was a gaping shithole in chicago that required our presence that is oh we're gonna God. lose like a thousand listeners i'm now. sorry <laughs> i'm sorry would you rather me be honest or play the game? Well, I'd rather you, I think you're being far overly dramatic. I, I think I had an amazing time at C2E2. I think you focus on the fact that you didn't find your precious back issues. And we spent three beautiful days with a million of our greatest friends having a great time. And goes I, without I saying. I hate that every time it comes up, you act like it was like like torture. No, the, the, the camaraderie was awesome. The convention itself, not so great. I'm just, I'm just being truthful. Yeah, Artist Alley was pumping, so. Well, that, yeah, I, yes, it was, it was. All right, so. Be on the, um, I, we'll, we'll let the slackers know if um, that we're, we're, we're going to try to do something, um, online via Skype or well, we can't do. Um, I wouldn't do it anyway since that was a. <laughs> didn't work for me, but we're not going to bother with, with, with Facebook rooms. But we'll 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 find a way for everybody to maybe um, at least pop in and and 
faces can be seen this yeah. weekend that since we won't physically all be together right yeah hint, hint. We, we have some shout outs but we'll save them for next week because we shouldn't do that three hours in we forgot we'll, right. so we'll do shout outs hit up one of those social media things and uh you will learn where and when because we don't even know yet yeah. So when yeah. we know, you'll know, and it'll be broadcast on the socials, and we'll all be together, and we'll have a great time. Yeah. Yeah. We love you too much at this point. Uh, please return next time. Get out of here. Say goodnight, gentlemen. Good night, gentlemen. There you go. Bye-bye.